Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin Lahulhamdul Hasan Wathanaul Jamil Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah Yaqulul haqqa wa huwa yahdi sabil Wa ashadu anna sayyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabih Wa attabi'ina lahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddin amma ba'd We are in the sharah of the kitab Al-Aqidatul Wasitiyah Lishikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah Whose name is Ahmed Ibn Abdul Halim Ibn Abdul Salam Ibn Taymiyyah Al-Harrani We stopped at The Qantara And the Qantara we said it was A place That the people stand After they have finished or after they have gone over the Sirat. Once they have gone over the Sirat, Abarus Sirata, once they've gone over the Sirat, they come to this place called the Qantara. And the Qantara, we said, it's a place where the people's nafs will be cleansed. The hate that the people had for one another. And the hate that they had for one another, Allah will get rid of it. If any Muslim hated another Muslim, when he comes to this place, Taqantara, it will be cleaned. Allah said in the Quran, وَنَزَعْنَا مَا فِي صُدُورِهِمْ مِنْ غِلٍ إِخْوَانًا عَلَى سُرُورٍ عَلَى سُرُورٍ مُتَقَابِلِينَ They're going to love one another. And then after that, the people enter Jannah. The author then says, رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ وَأَوَّلُ مَنْ يَسْتَفْتِحُ بَابَ الْجَنَّةِ the first one that will request for the door of Jannah to be opened. The first one who's going to request for the door of Jannah to be opened is who? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa In this issue, which the author referred to as man yastaftihu, the one who's going to ask, he's referring to the what? Al-Shafa'a. He's speaking about Al-Shafa'a. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is awwalu shafi'in wa awwalu mushafa'in. And shafa'a, what does it mean? This shafa'a is one of the fundamental things in our belief. Fi abwaab al-a'tiqad. The author here, he means a shafa'a. Su'alu shafi' is the one who is asking asks Allah سُؤَالُ الشَّافِعِ اللَّهَ He asks Allah Azza wa Jalla حُصُولَ نَفْعٍ to bring about good لِلْمَشْفُوعِ لَهُ for the one who is interceding for وَالنَّفْعُ يَتَضَمَّنُ and the good encompasses and it means جَلْبَ خَيْرٍ لَهُ أو دَفْعَ ضُرٍ عَنْهُ it means to either bring him good or it means to push away from him harm and the word, as you can see, it means ash-shafa'. And what does shafa'a mean in the Arabic language? It's even, not odd. Witr is one. And shafa'a means what? Why is it called two? Because it is your voice. is being added to the voice of the one who needs and is in need and both of your voices are being put to Allah. So one person is not doing it. So it's another person's statement. This person is begging Allah 
But then you come and you add your voice on top of their voice. Are we all together, brothers? That's why, because it then becomes what? Even. It becomes two. The shafa'at for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as the author mentioned, he said, في القيامة ثلاث شفاعات There are three shafa'at. As Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah mentions. Al-shafa'at al-ula, the first intercession. The first shafa'at is the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shafa'at for who? Ahlil mawqifi. The people who are standing fi arasat yawm al-qiyamah. The people who are standing fi muttasi'at yawm al-qiyamah. The front of the opening land of the day of judgment. And this one, the scholars, they call it Shafa'atul Uzma. This one is the one in which the messenger asks Allah to judge the people. And this one encompasses the Muslim and encompasses the non-Muslim. It's to judge everyone. Everyone just wants to get their results. Nothing has happened. Allah is angry subhanahu wa ta'ala nothing is taking place so the messenger prostrates to Allah azza wa jalla and then Allah tabarak wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi get up lift raise your head up are you with me brothers he tells him raise your head up and the messenger raises his head and then the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it said to him what do you want Ask for intercession, for verily your intercession will be given into consideration. But look what he does first. He prostrates to Allah as a slave should. And he's not the one who has the power and the strength to do this without Allah. So he begs Allah in the prostration. And then Allah tells him, raise your head. And then he, sallallahu he asks Allah to judge between the people. This one is called Shafa'atul Ubma, the supreme, the great Shafa'at. The second shafa'ah is called the shafa'at. The shafa'at al-thaniyah, the author called it. The second shafa'ah, it is shafa'atu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam li ahli al-jannah, for the people of jannah. Why? An yadkhuluha, so they can enter jannah. The people of jannah, to then enter, be allowed to enter jannah. He intercedes for them, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The third shafa'ah that the author mentioned, is two types of people. The third shafa'ah is two types of people. It is al-mustahiquna, the ones who deserve dukhul al-nari to enter the hellfire. They deserve to what? They deserve to enter the hellfire. The messenger intercedes for them, Allah yadkhuluha, so they don't, that they don't enter the hellfire. Are we all together? And the second one is for the third, is الداخلون في النار. They're already in the hellfire. What does it want? أن يخرجوا منها to come out of it. And they are the believers. So, Shaykh Al-Islam Taymi mentions those two. They were people who should have gone to the hellfire. And they haven't entered it yet. The messenger intercedes until he takes them away from entering the hellfire and they enter Jannah. And another group is those who've already made it into the hellfire. And then he's told sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or he intercedes to Allah and what happens? 
He's taken out of the hellfire. Pay attention. Two points. Number one, the first two shafa'ah that I mentioned are unique to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No one shares this with him. They were unique for who? Unique for him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The third shafa'ah lakin, the third one, it's not unique to him. And as Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah mentioned two, the first, the first one of the third, he mentioned two in the third, right? The first one, la dalila ali, there's no evidence for that. It doesn't exist. People who will not, who will not enter the hellfire, but the intercession of the Prophet sallallahu will prevent them from not entering the hellfire, there's no evidence for that. Like in the hadith, in Sahihain, Hadith Abi Sa'id al-Khudri shows a group of people who are already in the hellfire. And then the messenger asks Allah or he intercedes for them and they are taken out of the hellfire. And the angels do that as well. And then the believers intercede. And then Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, the hadith says, Shafa'at al-Malaika, the angels interceded. Wa shafa'at nabiyuna the prophets have also interceded. وَشَفَعَةِ الصَّالِحُونَ And the righteous people have interceded. And then Allah Azza wa Jalla says, فَلَمْ يَبْقَى There's no intercession left except Allah. Are you with me brothers? And then Allah takes out a khalq, a creation. They become ashes. حَتَّى صَارُوا حَمَمًا And the says, they become what? Ashes. And then they're taken and they are placed inside a water. And this water is called the water of life. نَهْرُ الْحَيَاءِ they are dipped inside it. Are you with me, brothers? And they become, their bodies become beautiful. Are you with me, brothers? And then they are taken to, and then they are taken to Jannah. So this is what the author, rahimahullah, mentioned. Also, the Sheikh mentions, Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, there are going to be a group of people who are going to be taken out of what? The hellfire and who's, who's, Whose generosity and whose kindness? Allah Azza wa Jalla. And brothers, the only people who will leave the hellfire are who? The believers. The people who are what? The people that were? That were believers. The disbelievers, they stay in there. Now when Allah, when the people of the hellfire, when the people who are in the hellfire are taken out and they're taken to Jannah, and they're taken to where? And they are taken to Jannah Jannah has more rooms that are still <coughs> vacant available rooms so Allah tabarak wa ta'ala Allah creates he makes subhanahu wa ta'ala lil jannati a people for Jannah Allah enters them into Jannah he creates a people and he puts them into what? he subhanahu wa ta'ala puts them into Jannah as for the hellfire, Allah is not oppressive. وتؤمن الفرقة الناجية أهل السنة والجماعة بالقدر خيره وشره والإيمان بالقدر على درجتين كل درجة تضمن شيئين فالدرجة الأولى الإيمان بأن الله تعالى علم ما الخلق عاملون بعلمه القديم الذي هو موصوف به أزلا وأبدا وعلم جميع أحوالهم من الطاعة والمعاصي والأرزاق والآجال ثم كتب الله تعالى في اللوح المحفوظ مقادير الخلائق فأول ما خلق الله القلم قال له أكتب فقال ما أكتب 
قال اكتبنا هو كائن الى يوم القيامه فما اصاب الانسان لم يكن ليخطئه وما اخطاه لم يكن ليصيبه جفت الاقلام وطويت الصحف كما قال سبحانه وتعالى الم تعلم ان الله يعلم ما في السماء والارض ان ذلك في كتاب ان ذلك على الله يسير وقال ما أصاب من نصيبة في الأرض ولا في أنفسكم إلا في كتاب من قبل أن نبرأها إن ذلك على الله يسير وهذا التقدير التابع لعلمه سبحانه وتعالى يكون في مواضع جملة وتفصيلا فقد كتب في اللوح المحفوظ ما شاء فإذا خلق جسد الجنين قبل نفخ الروح فيه بعث إليه ملك فيؤمر بأربع كلمات لكتب رزقه وأجله وعمله وشقي أو سعيد ونحو ذلك فهذا القدر قد كان ينكره الغلاة القدرية قديما ومنكره اليوم قليل وأما الدرجة الثانية فهي مشيئة الله النافذة وقدرته الشاملة وهو الإيمان بأن ما شاء الله كان وما لم يشأ لم يكن وأنه ما في السماوات ولا في الأرض من حركة ولا سكون إلا بمشية الله سبحانه وتعالى لا يكون في ملكه ما لا يريد وأنه سبحانه وتعالى على كل شيء قدير من الموجودات والمعدومات فما من مخلوق في السماوات ولا في الأرض إلا الله خالقه سبحانه لا خالق غيره ولا رب سواه ومع ذلك فقد أمر العباد بطاعته وطاعة رسله ونهاهم عن معصيته وهو سبحانه يحب المتقين والمحسنين والمقسطين ويرضى عن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات ولا يحب الكافرين ولا يرضى عن القوم الفاسقين ولا يأمر بالفحشاء ولا يرضى لعباده الكفر ولا يحب الفساد والعباد فاعلون حقيقة والله خالق أفعالهم والعبد هو مؤمن والكافر والبر والفاجر والمصلي والصائم وللعباد قدرة على أعمالهم ولهم إرادة والله خالقهم وخالق قدرتهم وإرادتهم كما قال لمن شاء منكم أن يستقيم وما تشاءون إلا أن يشاء الله رب العالمين فهذه الدرجة من القدر يكذب بها عامة القدرية الذي إن سمناه من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نجوس هذه الأمنة فيغلو فيها قوم من أهل الإثبات حتى سلبوا العبد قدرته, واخت... قدرته واختياره ويخرجون عن أفعال الله وأحكامه حكمها ومصالحها The author رحمه الله goes into the arkan السادسة The sixth pillar of what? The sixth pillar of Al-Iman, which is Al-Imanu Bil-Qadr, the Iman of the what? The Imanu Bil-Qadr. And the author mentioned that the, the uh, Qadr is ala darajatayn. The Qadr is how many levels? Two levels. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentions that the Qadr is how many types? Two types. Write this down. The first one is Ad-Darajatu Sabiqah, Wuqu'a Al-Muqaddar. It is the first level, it precedes, it precedes the one who it was destined on. It precedes the one in whom it was destined on. The one who the Qadr is happening to, it precedes him. It precedes 
the one whom whom it was destined on and under there falls two two things fall under there الدرجه السابقه وقوع المقدر وتتضمن علم الله بالمقادير وكتابته 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 لها two things fall under the first one two things fall under the first the knowledge of Allah عز وجل وكتابته لها أن الله سبحانه وتعالى he wrote it for them and that Allah تبارك وتعالى he had written it for them too is that Allah's knowledge subhanahu wa ta'ala and also that it was written for them these precede the one who the Qadr is happening to the knowledge was already there to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala prior to it happening to the person and it was already written before this person was even created this level is what? as-sabiqah it was before wuqu' al-muqaddar the thing that was destined before it happened this had already what? It has taken place. The second one is Adarajatul Musahiba. Wuku al Mukaddar. It accompanies it accompanies the one in whom it accompanies it is with the one whom it it was destined for. Okay? It accompanies the one whom it was destined for. Adarajatul Musahiba Wuku al Mukaddar. وتتضمن مشيئة الله للمقادير وخلقه لها. Here it consists of two things. Allah's will, سبحانه وتعالى, وخلقه لها. And that Allah created the person's actions. Are we all together? This accompanies the qadr. Allah is creating that action as it's happening. سبحانه وتعالى. And the will of Allah is connected to it as it's happening. Are we all together? These are the four levels in which the Qadr stands on. What are they? Al-ilmu, knowledge. Wal-kitabah, writing. Wal-mashi'ah, and the will. Wal-khalq, and what? Creating. These four are the maratibul Qadr, the levels of Qadr, that every single one of us has to believe in. The first two, which is knowledge, Al-ilmu, wal-kitabah. They happened before the Qadr, before the thing that was destined, on whom it was destined on. And the second one is, it happens after. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned something very powerful here, which is, he said the first level, how many levels did we mention? Two. The first level, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, قَدْ يُنْكِرُهَا غُلَاتُ الْقَدَرِيَةِ قَدِيمًا the early extreme Qadaris used to reject the first one, which is Al-Ilmu Bil Maqadir wa Kitabatuhu Laha. That Allah wa Ta'ala has knowledge of everything before it happens. Are you with me, brothers? And that it was written. Walidalika and Imam Shafi'i he said, Jadilul Qadariyata debates with the Qadariya bil ilmi with knowledge. What does he mean by knowledge? By telling them when it comes to Qadr, Al-Ilm, say the Mas'alat Al-Ilm. فَإِنْ قَبِلُوا If they accept, they lost. وَإِنْ جَحَدُوا كَفَرُوا If they disbelieve in Allah's knowledge, then they disbelievers. 
So the early Ghulatul Qadariya, they, they used to reject the first two. But today they're very little in number like that, compared to before. Today the most is, as Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned, he said, Ammatul Qadariya, the majority of the overwhelming Qadariya today, he said, are the ones who reject the second level, he said. Which are the ones who claim the slave creates his own actions. That's what they claim. And he's the one who does as he wills. And the wills are in his hands. It's got nothing to do with Allah Azza wa Jalla. I can do what I want. Naam. ومن أصول الفرقة الناجية أن الدين والإيمان قول وعمل قول القلب واللسان وعمل القلب واللسان والجوارح وأن الإيمان يزيد بالطاعة وينقص بالمعصية وهم مع ذلك لا يكفرون أهل القبلة بمطلق المعاصي والكبائر كما يفعله الخوارج بل الأخوة, بل الأخوة الإيمانية ثابتة مع المعاصي كما قال سبحانه في آية القصاص فمن عفي له من أخيه شيء فاتباع بالمعروف وقال وإن طائفتان من المؤمنين قتتلوا فأصلحوا بينهما فإن بغت إحداهما على الأخرى فقاتلوا التي تبغي حتى تفيء إلى أمر الله فإن فاءت فأصلحوا بينهما بالعدل وأقسطوا إن الله يحب المقسطين إنما المؤمنون إخوة ولا يسلبون الفاسق الملي الملي اسم الإيمان بالكلية ولا يخلد ولا يخلدونه في النار كما تقول المعتزلة بل الفاسق يدخل في اسم الإيمان في مثل قوله تعالى فتحرير رقبة نؤمنة وقد لا يدخل في اسم الإيمان المطلق كما في قوله تعالى إنما المؤمنون الذين إذا ذكر الله وجلت قلوبهم وقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يزن الزاني حين يزني وهو مؤمن ولا يسرق السارق حين يسرق وهو مؤمن ولا يشرب الخمر حين يشربها وهو مؤمن ولا ينتهي نهبة ذات شرف يرفع الناس إليه فيها أبصارهم حين ينتهبها وهو مؤمن ويقولون هو مؤمن ناقص الإيمان أو مؤمن بإيمانه فاسق بكبيرته فلا يعطى الإسم المطلق ولا يسلب مطلق الإسم The author رحمه الله after he finished talking about the six articles of faith which we call أركانه الإيمان and what did I say كتب الاعتقاد speak about they speak about the six articles of faith أن تؤمن بالله وملائكته وكتب ورسل واليوم الآخر وتؤمن بالقدر خيره وشري أهل السنة then they speak about what is known as مسمى الإيمان Are we all together brothers? And they talk about مسألة الصحابة the companions and they also talk about الإمامة the Muslim leader So Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah after he spoke about the أركان الإيمان الستة the six articles of what? six articles of faith he went into speaking about what does Iman mean to Ahlul Sunnah? So we finished the six articles. We're going to go into the Mulhaq of Arkanul Iman Kutub al Itiqad, which are three. We're going to what? Musamma Musamma al Iman. What does Iman mean to Ahlul Sunnah? 
if we look at the term al-iman in the Quran and the Sunnah, we find that the word iman has a uh, general usage and a specific usage. When we look at the term al-iman in the Quran and the Sunnah, in the Shara, it has what ma'nayani two meanings. Ma'nayani two meanings. The first ma'na is am, it's general. And that is what, that is a deen alladhi bu'itha bihi, the religion in which Nabiullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent with. That is a general usage of the word. What? Al-Iman. That's a general usage. You find that used in the shara, in the sharia. What is it? Al-Deen alladhi bu'itha bihi Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent the religion he was sent with, all of it is called the what? Iman. And that is the one, the Salaf, when they said Al-Imanu, Qawlun wa Amal. That Iman is Qawl and it's Amal. We're going to go into that in more details. The second usage of the um, word Iman is Al-I'tiqadat Al-Batina. Al-I'tiqad, Al-I'tiqadat Al-Batina. The belief of the heart, what's in the heart only, specific to that. And that is when it's mentioned next to إِذَا قُرِنَا بِالْإِسْلَامِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ Remember we took it in the hadith of Jibreel. That the iman, it means الْإِعْتِقَادَاتِ الْبَاطِنَةِ The belief of the heart, when it's mentioned in the context of what? Or when it's mentioned next to Islam and Ihsan. Iman specifically here means the internal affairs. Okay, and the internal belief. Are we all together? And Islam becomes what? The outer belief. Does that make sense, brothers? So, Iman has in the Sharia, in the Shara'i has ma'nayan, two meanings. The first one is ma'na, which is am, a general usage. And that is, as I said, it is ad-deenu al-ladhi bu'itha bihi Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The religion in which the messenger was sent with. And this is the one that the Salaf called Al-Imanu Qawlun Wa'amal The second usage that you find Iman in the Shara' is Al-I'tiqadat Al-Batina The internal belief only And that I said it is Ida qurina al-Imanu Bil-Islami wal-Ihsan If the Iman is mentioned in the context If Iman is mentioned in the context of Islam and Ihsan. Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, bi ijma'in minhum, consents from all of them, they believe Iman is what? Qawlun wa Amal. They believe Iman is what? Qawl which is speech and Amal which is action. And from the Qawl, Ahl Sunnah bring out two. From the Qawl, the speech, Ahl Sunnah believe there are two speeches. The first one is Qawlul Lisan The speech of the tongue Qawlul Al Lisan And this one is Al Nutqu Bil Shahadatayn To say the Shahada on your tongue Say Ashadu Allah Ilaha Illallah Wa Ashadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah This is Qawlul Al Lisan Qawlul Lisan It's the utterance on the person's tongue The second type of Qawl is called Qawlul Qalb Qawlu, Qawlu al-Qalb. And this is 
الإقرار والتصديق it is to affirm it is to affirm and it's to acknowledge والمعرفة this is قوله قوله القلب and also the second one is عمل right the second one is عمل and two come out of the عمل just the same way that the قول two came out of it عمل two come out of it the first one is عمل القلب عمل عمل القلب عمل القلب is الإخلاص والرغبة والرهبة والإنابة والخشوع That is all عمل القلب The second type of عمل is عمل الجوارح عمل عمل الجوارح عمل الجوارح is the actions of the limbs and here falls under it الصلاة الزكاة الصوم الحج وما إلى ذلك أهل السنة والجماعة they believe the قول is under what? حقيقة الإيمان and the عمل is what? حقيقة الإيمان that without action إيمان doesn't exist and without قول إيمان does not exist this أهل السنة and there's إجماع from the people who transmitted this consent is Imam Muhammad ibn Idris, Abu Abdullah Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i. He transmitted the ijma'ah. This is not mas'ala mukhtalafun fi. Abu Qasim, Hibatullahi al-Lalakaiyu mentions it in his kitab, Usul Itqadi Ahli Sunnat wal Jama'ah. So it's not a mas'ala they differed on. Like in there are a group of people who went against Ahl Sunnah, which is the Murji'ah. The Murji'ah went against Ahl Sunnah in the issue of Iman and the definition of Iman and what is Iman. And what did the Murji'ah do? They took out of Iman actions. They took out of Iman actions. So Amalul Qalbi and Amalul Jawarihi to them is not part of Iman. Iman is only what? The Qawl. Are you with me brothers? The Qawl. And within the Murji'ah there are two types. Are we all together, brothers? The murji'ah within them are what? Sorry, three types. The, f- the worst of them are called the gulatul murji'ah. Gulatul murji'ah. The worst of them. They're the extreme murji'ah. They believe the qawl, both of them that we mentioned. How many qawls did we mention? Qawlul qalbi and qawlul? Al-lisan. They only said what is needed is what? Qawlul qalbi is only needed. Qawlul lisan is not even needed. So they're, they're called the what? Ghulatul the extreme murji'ah. All you need to come with to them is al-tasdiqu in your heart. Are we all together? Ama al-ma'rifah. Just know Allah Azza wa Jalla. Are we all together? And they're extreme. And why are they extreme? Because to them, Iblis is also a believer. Based on their definition of Iman. Why? Iblis also knew Allah. Are we all together? Iblis came with ma'rifah. He knew Allah. Did he not know Allah? And so for them, Iblis becomes a, a believer. And what is worse than that? 
The third, second group of murji'a are called murji'atu. I mean, they're just called murji'a. They're known as the what? The murji'a. And they're the ones who believe the qawl, both of the qawl. Are we all together? Qawlul qalbi and qawlul lisan is what? It's from the iman. The third group of murji'a are called murji'atul fuqaha. Murji'atul murji'atu fuqaha. And here the murji'atul fuqaha, the scholars, they add Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman and Imam Abu Hanifa. Mus'alatul iman, Imam Abu Hanifa fell into the belief of the murji'atul al-fuqaha. Rahimahullahu rahmatan wasi'a. Which is that the actions were not part of the iman for him. And this steeped into him from his teacher, Hamad ibn Hamad ibn Ibn Abi Sulaiman Rahimahullahu Rahmatan Wasi'ah So we have the Iman is what? Qawlun and Qawlun and Qawl and Amal Qawl and Qawl and Amal Iman also increases And what does it do? Yazidu bil ta'ah wa yanqusuh Wa yanqusuh bil ma'asiyah it increases with obedience and it decreases with what? With sins, disobedience. Yazidu bil ta'a wa yanqusu wa yanqusu bil ma'asiyah. By obeying Allah Azza wa Jalla it increases and by obeying Shaitan what? It decreases. Even this is the mas'ala Imam Abu Hanifa did not accept. That the Iman Yazidu wa yanqus. Are we all together? Ahl-Sunnah believed that like him. They believed that ijma'a, no dispute amongst themselves. That iman what? Yazidu wayan. The evidence for the ziyadah to iman is in al mu'minun al-ladina idha dhukir Allah wajilat quluboohum wa idha tuliyat alayhim ayatu zaadatum imanan wa ala rabbihim yatawakkalun. And that the iman also what? It decreases. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith, man ra'a minkum mukaran fal yugayyirhu biyadi فإن لم يستطع فبلساني فإن لم يستطع فبقلبي وذلك وذلك أضعف الإيمان أضعف الإيمان إذا الإيمان goes and it goes and reduces. Also أهل السنة والجماعة believe as the author mentioned that the iman is broken into three and we mentioned it before in the شرح شرح السنة الإمام المزني that the iman is broken into three أصل الإيمان and كماله الواجب and كماله المستحب and we gave the example of the human body. We said that the human body has these three. Aslun, a foundation that if he loses, he will never exist. Like his heart and the human brain. Second is, kamaluhu al-wajib. Something if the human loses, he can function, but it will cripple him. If he loses his hand or a leg, and this is kamaluhu al-wajib. And the third one is, kamaluhu al-mustahab. Is that if the human loses it, it will not cripple him nor disable him. But it will only take away from him beauty. And that is losing his hair. The iman is, has those three. There are things within iman, if you lose it, you no longer are a believer anymore. Are we all together, brothers? And there are things which are kamaluhul wajib. Things that if you lose it, your iman is what? It's crippled. Your, your iman is very low. And the third one is kamaluhu. Al-Mustahab Things that are 
beautifiers of your iman. And all three of them, the messenger mentioned it for us, alayhi salatu salam, in the hadith, al-imanu bid'un wa sab'un shu'ba, a'laha qawlu la ilaha illa Allah, wa adnaha imatatul adha anil tariq, wal hayau, shu'batun min al-iman. Three of the things the Prophet gave us. The first one is, a'laha qawlu la ilaha illa Allah, la ilaha illa Allah, asru al-iman. And the second one is what? Al-haya, shyness. Shyness is kamaluhu al-wajib. If you don't come with shyness, you're still a believer but you're crippled. Because we take it, took in the hadith, the arba'un, what did we take? إِنَّ مِمَّا أَدْرَكَ النَّاسِ مِنْ كَلَامِ النُّبُوَّةِ الْأُولَى إِذَا لَمْ تَسْتَحِيهِ فَاصْنَعْ مَا شِئْتِ The third one is إِمَاطَةُ الْأَذَى عَنِ الطَّرِيقِ Taking harm from the earth. This is kamaluhu. المستحب. The fact that Iman is broken into those three, Al-Imam Ibn Manda mentions in his Kitab Al-Iman, Al-Imam Muhammad Nasr Al-Marwazi mentions in his Kitab Ta'zim Al-Qadr Al-Salah, Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah mentions it in his Kitab Mujmal Al-Atiqad, he also mentions it in his Kitab Bayan Al-Dalil Fi Putlan Al-Tahleel, and he also mentions it Fi Amakin Mukhtalifa in his Majmu' Al-Fatawa. Are we all together? That the Iman is broken into those? That the Iman is broken into those? It is broken into those three. Here the problem, I mentioned the group called the, uh, the, the Murji'ah. I haven't mentioned the Khawarij, which are the opposite of what? And remember this Qa'idah and memorize it. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentions it a lot. Rahimahullah, anyone who reads his Majmu' al-Fatawa will know this. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentions this a lot. When an extreme group comes, there is always another extreme that comes to respond to the extreme that is already there. And they lose the Wasatiyah, to be in the middle that was required. So when the Khawarij came, the Murji'ah came to respond to the what? To the Khawarij. The Murji'ah. And they fell into what they fell into. So they made the definition of Iman so wide open that everybody can become a mu'min. Even Iblis became a mu'min for them. Fir'aun is a mu'min. Haman and Qarun are all mu'min. And the Khawarij on the other hand, they did another extreme. Are we all together brothers? The Khawarij are another extreme group. And what did they do? For them, Iman all became Asal. What became Asal? What did we break the Iman into? Asal, Kamaluhu al-Wajib, and Kamaluhu al-Mustahab. The Khawarij, for them, the whole of the Iman is Asal. There's no such thing as Kamaluhu al-Wajib and Kamaluhu al-Mustahab. Iman is all what? Asal. It's Juz'ul la yatajazza. Are we all together, brothers? If you really ponder and you give it, and I, I'm hoping that I'm not confusing you all a lot, like if you really ponder, there is something that the Khawarij and the Murji have already agreed upon. Even that though they are on two opposite spectrums. But there's one thing that unites them both, which is they both believe Iman cannot be broken into, into pieces. Are we all together? For them, Iman is, is either there or it's gone. ولذلك that's why the murji'ah say لا يضر مع الإيمان معصية the murji'ah believe with iman no sin can harm it because they believe if it harms it then it takes it away are we all together? the khawarij on the flip side what do they say? they say that it will definitely harm it and when it harms it there's no such a thing as reduction what does he do to it? he takes it in totality yeah? yeah he becomes a kafir straight away are you with me brothers? Am I making sense here? 
Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And the examples that the Khawarij and the Murji'ah both agree upon is the example of if a person has 20 dirhams and someone takes one dirham from them, is it called 20 or is it called 19? It's 19 dirhams. Are we all together? So they say if a person leaves one part of Iman, he no longer should be given the name of Iman. Are we all together? Ahlul Sunnah look at them, even their examples taken from the Quran and the Sunnah. Ahlul Sunnah responded and they said, the examples that you brought, Ma anzalallahu biha min sultan. There's no proof for it. Where did you bring it from? Like we're going to use the example of the tree. Because Allah used it in the Quran, Alam tara kayfa darab Allahu mathalan, kalimatan tayyibatan ka shajaratin tayyibatin asluha, thabitun wa far'uha, fissama. And the hadith of Umar, where the Prophet said, the mu'min is like a, it's like a tree. You all know the famous story where Umar anhu, the Prophet asked, he said, what is the example of a believer? And no one from the gathering was able to answer. And Abdullah ibn Umar was sitting there, and the Akhibar al-Sahaba was sitting there as well, and not one of them answered. And then the messenger said, it is the tree. The believer is like the tree. And Abdullah ibn Umar, when he left the gathering, he said, Dad, I knew the answer. And then his father Umar said, why didn't you answer it if you knew? Because it's a father, if his son answers it, it's, it's, it's a bonus on his side. He said, Dad, why didn't you answer the question? But look at the companion's children, Hatta were well-mannered. He knew in the gathering with Abu Bakr and his father, Umar. Are you with me, brothers? He didn't see it to be manners to talk in front of his what? His seniors. And we took in the book, Ta'adhimu, Ilmi, that if a person, if you see a youth, speaking in front of the seniors and those who are older than him in age, even if they are lower than him in knowledge they are lower than him in knowledge but they are older than him in, 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 in age if he speaks in front of them and he talks what did the seller say give up on him don't give up on this child there's no good coming from him dangerous this hadith and the ayah that I mentioned both show us that the believer is like a what he's like a tree when does the tree lose the name of being a tree if it loses its leaves, is it still called a tree? It is still called a tree. What about if it loses its branches? Is it still called a tree? The only time it's not called a tree is when the roots cut off and there's no longer a tree standing. Sah? So the leaves on it are kamaluhul wajib. Are you with me, brothers? The branches that are coming out of it is kamaluhul. No, no. The leaves that are on it are kamaluhul mustahab. The, the branches that are coming from the tree are what? Kamaluhul al-wajib. The trunk in which the tree stands on is what? The asal of the tree. And Ahlul Sunnah took that example against the Murji'ah and the Khawarij. وَلِذَلِكَ Ahlul Sunnah believe the person who does sin, he's affected his what? He's affected his iman. Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, لَا يَزْنِي الزَّانِي حِينَ يَزْنِي وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنْ وَلَا يَسْرِقُ السَّارِقُ حِينَ يَسْرِقُ وَهُوَ Iman is being stripped from the person. Like what type of Iman is being stripped here? What Iman has been stripped from him here? Aslul Iman? If you say Aslul Iman, then that means you have taken the call of the Khawarij. That you're going to take a person out of Islam because of what? Zina. Ahl-Sunnah, they say, he has lost Kamaluhul Wajib. It's like a person who lost his hand or his arm. This person is crippled. Are we all together? But what name will be given to this person now? This person is doing major sins. What is he doing? He's, ma- he's doing major sins. 
Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, how do we refer to this person? Within themselves, they all agree he's a Muslim. None of them are denying it. But the names that they gave him are different. Are we all together? The name that they gave this person is what? Is different. The qawl which is inshallah ta'ala easy to understand is that he's called Mu'minun bi'imanihi Fasiqun bi'kabiratihi Mu'minun bi'imanihi He's a believer because of his iman Fasiqun bi'kabiratihi And he's a fasiq because of the sin that he's That he's coming That he's coming with Can it unite in a person Iman and kufr one time? Can a person be a mu'min and a kafir at the same time? Of course he can. Of course he, he can. Because the iman, has, as I said to you, has a what? Asal and a fara' and a what? Asal, kamaluhu al-wajib, and kamaluhu, kufr has the same as well. There's an asal in kufr, there's a kamaluhu al-wajib in kufr, and there's a what? Within kufr has those three branches. Someone can have aslul iman, but this zina he's doing is a fi'l, this act of a killing, this action is kufr amali. It's taken from what? The kufr amali. Am I making sense, brothers? There's a branch from the branches of kufr with him. That's why the Messenger وسلم, he said in the hadith, لا ترجعوا بعد كفارا يضرب بعضكم رقاب بعض. After I die and I'm gone, don't kill one another and others and become disbelievers. So killing unjustly is amal kufri. It's a kufr action, which is with this person. Are we all together, brothers? So he's got a branch of kufr with him, but because he has aslul iman, are we all together, brothers? Is this making sense? It doesn't take him out of the religion. Allah united for a person iman and kufr at the same time. Allah said in the ayah, does anyone know the ayah before I mention it? Huh? No. Allah says, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ A lot of them do not believe in Allah except they have with them what? So Allah is giving them iman. They are believers. And Allah is saying, in them is what? Disbelief. <coughs> are we all together, brothers? Am I making sense here? You all negated a point which we were right on, which is you believe, you're saying, and when I said, can a person have kufr and iman at the same time? You understood it. Can you have aslul kufri and aslul iman? No, he can't. They're going to go against each other. Lakin <coughs> killing a person unjustly is a shu'bah min shu'abil kufri. It's a branch from the branches of kufr. Zina is a, is a what? It's a branch from the branches of what? Kufr. Are we all together, brothers? Well, that's why the Prophet said, Sibabul Muslim fusuqun wa qitaluhu. Killing a Muslim, the Prophet referred to it as what? The kufr here is not major, it's minor. And then you have in you a minor kufr. But because you have aslul iman, you have the iman in its foundation is still there. So what has united in you, brothers? Kufrun wa? Wa iman. Am I making sense here? Am I making sense here? Yes, no? Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah went in details when he goes in Kitab al-Iman. He goes into this in more details. You can read it. You can read it there, inshallah ta'ala. Fadl.
ومن أصول أهل السنة والجماعة سلامة قلوبهم وألسنتهم لأصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كما وصفهم الله به في قوله والذين جاءوا من بعدهم يقولون ربنا اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم وطاعة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في قوله لا تسب أصحابي فوالذي نفسي بيده لو أن أحدكم أنفق مثل أحد ذهب ما بلغ مد أحدهم ولا نصيفة ويقبلون ما جاء به الكتاب والسنة والإجماع من فضائلهم ومراتبهم فيفضلون من أنفق من قبل الفتح وهو صلح الحديبية وقاتل على من أنفق من بعده وقاتل ويقدمون المهاجرين على الأنصار ويؤمنون بأن الله قال لأهل بدر وكانوا ثلاثمائة وبضعة عشر اعملوا ما شئتم فقد غفرت لكم وبأنه لا يدخل النار أحد بايع تحت الشجرة كما أخبر به النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بل لقد رضي الله عنهم ورضوا عنه وكانوا أكثر من ألف وأربعمية فيشهدون بالجنة لمن شهد له رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كالعشرة وكثابت بن قيس بن شمات وغيرهم من الصحابة ويقرون بما تواتر به النقل عن أمير المؤمنين علي بن أبي طالب رضي الله عنه وغيره من أن خير هذه الأمة بعد نبيه أبو بكر أبو بكر ثم عمر ويثلثون بعثمان ويربعون بعلي كما دلت عليه الآثار وكما أجمعت الصحابة على تقديم على تقديم عثمان في البيعة ومع أن بعض أهل أهل السنة السنة كانوا قد قد اختلفوا في عثمان وعلي بعد اتفاقهم على تقديم عبي بكر وعمر أيهما أفضل فقدم قوم عثمان وسكتوا أو ربعوا بعلي وقدم قوم عليا وقوم توقفوا لكن استقر أمر أهل السنة على تقديم عثمان ثم علي وإن كانت هذه المسألة مسألة عثمان وعلي ليست من أصول التي يضلل المخالف فيها عند جمهور أهل السنة لكن المسألة التي يضلل المخالف فيها مسألة الخلافة وكذلك يؤمنون بأن الخليفة بعد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أبو بكر ثم عمر ثم عثمان ثم علي رضي الله عنهم أجمعين ومن طعن في خلافة أحد من هؤلاء الأئمة فهو أضل من حمار أهله ويحبون أهل البيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ويتولونهم ويحفظون فيهم وصية رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حيث قال يوم غديركم أذكركم الله في أهل بيتي أذكركم الله في أهل بيتي وقد قال أيضا للعباس عمه وقد شكى إليه أن بعد قريش يجفو بني هاشم فقال والذي نفسي بيده لا يؤمنون حتى يحبوكم لله ولقرابتي وقال إن الله اصطفى إسماعيل واصطفى من بني إسماعيل كنانة واصطفى من كنانة قريشا واصطفى من قريش بني هاشم واصطفاني من بني هاشم ويتولون أزواج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أمهات المؤمنين ويؤمنون بأنهن أزواجه في الآخرة خصوصا خديجة أم أكثر أولاده وأول من آمن به وعاضده على أمره 
وكان لها منه المنزلة العالية والصديقة بنت الصديقة التي قال فيها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فضل عيشة على النساء كفضل الثريد على السائر الطعام ويتبرؤون من طريقة الروافض الذين يبغدون الصحابة ويسبونهم وطريقة النواصب الذين يؤذون أهل البيت بقول أو عمل ويمسكون عمنا شجر بين الصحابة ويقولون إن هذه الآثار المروية مروية في مساويهم منها ما هو كذب ومنها ما قد زيد فيه في في ونقص وغير عن وجهه وعامة الصحيح منه هم فيه معذور هم فيه معذورون إما المجتهدون مصيبون وإما المجتهدون مخطئون وهم مع ذلك لا يعتقدون أن كل واحد من الصحابة معصوم عن كبائر الإثم وصغائره بل يجوز عليهم الذنوب في الجملة ولهم من السوابق والفضائل ما يوجب مغفرة من صدر ما صدر منهم إن صدر حتى إنهم يغفر لهم من السيئات ما لا يغفر لمن بعدهم لأن لهم من الحسنات التي تمحو السيئات ما ليس لمن بعدهم وقد ثبت بقول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أنهم خير القرون وأن مد من أحدهم إذا تصدق به كان أفضل من جبل أحد ذهبا من بعدهم ثم إذا كان قد صدر عن أحدهم ذنب فيكون قد تاب منه أو أتى بحسنات تمحو أو غفر له بفضل سابقته أو بشفاعة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم الذي هم أحق الناس بشفاعته وبتلي ببلاء في الدنيا كفر به عنه فإذا كان هذا في الذنوب المحققة فكيف الأمور التي كانوا فيها المجتهدين إن أصابوا فلهم أجران وإن اختووا فلهم أجر واحد والخطأ مغفور ثم القدر الذي ينكر من فعل بعضهم قليل نزر مغمور في جنب فضائل القوم ومحاسنهم من الإيمان بالله ورسوله والجهاد في سبيله والهجرة والنصرة والعلم النافع والعمل الصالح ومن نظر في سيرة القوم بعلم وعدل وبصيرة ما من الله به عليهم من الفضائل علم يقينا أنهم خير الخلق بعد الأنبياء لا كان ولا يكون مثلهم وأنهم صفوة من القرون هذه الأمة التي هي خير الأمم وأكرمها على الله تعالى وكارين إن شاء الله تعالى بعد الصلاة إن شاء الله تعالى The author رحمه الله تعالى شيخ الإسلام He speaks about the belief of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah in regards to the companions and what is the position in which Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah hold on to when it comes to the companions and he said among the fundamental beliefs of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah is the purity of their hearts and their tongues regarding the companions of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam two things the author mentioned here, rahimahullah ta'ala, that their hearts are pure towards the companions. Number one, the purity of their hearts towards the companions of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the purity of their tongues regarding the companions of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what they accept is the virtues and the levels the author mentions two things what does he mention the virtue and the levels so what is the virtues 
any fadl, any virtue that has come regarding any of the companions, whether it be general, ver- whether it be general virtues, which are for all the companions, or whether they be specific. And then the virtues are how many types? Two types. Fadail, virtues which are amma, general for all of the companions. And then there are virtues which are specific in which the Prophet ﷺ gave it to each companion or a group of companions over others. Al-Sunnah wal Jama'ah they believe in it, they affirm it, and they establish it. And they give the companions the sequence of virtue that was given to them through the Quran and the Sunnah. For example, the author mentions يُفَضِّلُونَ مَنْ أَنْفَقَ مِنْ قَبْلِ الْفَتْحِ وَهُوَ صُلْحُ الْحُدَيْبِيَّةِ وَقَاتَلْ عَلَى مَنْ أَنْفَقَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ وَقَاتَلْ That they assign the most virtuous to those who spent in the cause of Allah Azza wa Jalla before the liberation of Mecca. Meaning, there were companions who fought and they gave their wealth to Islam before the conquest of Mecca. Those are better than what? Those who came into Islam after the conquest of Mecca. But Allah promised both groups what? وَكُلًّا وَعَدَ اللَّهُ husna. But both parties are righteous and virtuous. But who are the highest? Who are the highest from the two? Those who took Islam, when they, um, before the conquest of Mecca happened. Why? Because they took Islam when it was weak. Are we all together? And when Islam was uh, fragile, the religion was, the people were hiding their beliefs, it's when they accepted it. And the other group, they came in when there was the glory days of Islam. But both parties are what? Virtuous. Radiallahu anhum. Walidhalika, whenever you see the hypocrites increase in Islam, and whenever you see a lot of hypocrites, inshallah, it means Islam is strong. Because hypocrites don't exist at the time when Islam is weak. There was no hypocrites in Mecca. They were hypocrites in where? They were hypocrites in Medina. They were hypocrites in what? In Medina. Also they give precedence to who? وَيُقَدِّمُونَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ عَلَى الْأَنصَارِ They place the, the immigrants from Mecca, which are the muhajirin, and they assign them on a greater status than who? The Ansar. Those who uh, supported the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and were the people of Medina. The tribes of Ansar are t- mainly two, Aws and, and Khazraj. Both were the biggest tribes. They come after who? They come after the Muhajireen. Why? Because the Muhajireen they left their houses. They left their money 
They left everything and they walked away from all of that. And they came to a land and a people they don't know. And within the Arabs, a lot of the righteous deeds that we do in Islam, a lot of it, they knew of it. And they would do it. But they didn't know the concept of hijrah. For the Sahabas to adopt a character that wasn't present amongst them. Rather, hijrah was a form of humility, uh, humiliation for you to leave your land. People fought for their lands. Fought for their place. وَلِذَلِكَ Allah is the ayah that came down وَمَنْ يُهَاجِرْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ يَجِدْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُرَاغَمًا كَثِيرًا وَسَعًا وَمَنْ يَخْرُجْ مِنْ بَيْتِهِ مُهَاجِرًا إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ ثُمَّ يُدْرِكْهُ الْمَوْتُ فَقَدْ وَقَعْ عَجْرُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ They say that this ayah came down on a man. He was very old in age. And he left Mecca. And he was from the people, hijrah wasn't wajib upon him. إِلَّا الْمُسْتَضْعَفِينَ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ وَالنِّسَاءِ وَالْوِلْدَانِ The women and the children and the elders, they were not forced. They were not forced to leave Mecca. Because they didn't have a hila, ability to leave. But this man, this old man, he couldn't stay in a place where Nabiullah Muhammad is humiliated and spoken against. Kufr is spreading and disbelief. And he couldn't stay in a place where he's losing the opportunity of benefiting from Nabiullah Muhammad in Medina. So he got himself ready. He got his property ready. He got his riding beast ready. And he went out and he embarked on his journey to go to Medina. As he was in the middle, this is not a flight. This is not a car. It takes him a month or so to make it to Medina. He's an old man in the middle of the desert with a horse or a camel, he realized he's not going to live anymore. He realized that this is his last moment, he's not going to live. So he raised his eyes into the sky, he placed one hand onto the other hand, and then he said, this is a pledge of allegiance with you. And then he hit his hand again, and then he said, Oh Allah, this is a pledge of allegiance to your messenger, Nabiullah Muhammad, who I was wanting to go to. And then Allah Ta'ala's ayah came down. وَمَنْ يَخْرُجُ مِنْ بَيْتِهِ مُهَاجِرًا إِلَى اللَّهِ ثُمَّ يُدْرِكُهُ الْمَوْتُ فَقَدْ وَقَعَ أَجْرُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ And if you ponder on this verse, <coughs> you realize this man when he left, he left for Allah and his messenger's sake. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala told him, if you left Mecca to come to Medina to do, um, to come to a Muslim country and you die on the way, your reward is with Allah Azza wa Jal. But what's amazing here is Ibhamul Ajri. Allah didn't mention the reward for this man. Allah says, فَقَدْ وَقَعَ أَجْرُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ His reward is with Allah Azza wa Jal. And the scholars, they have a qa'idah which is Ibhamul Ajri Hiding and concealing the reward It is what? Dalilun ala idamiha It's because it's going to be a great reward The great The reward is too great for it to be mentioned Has no price to it The one who migrates So these people, what did they leave? Taraku buyutahum Wa amwalahum 
They left their wealth. They left their, their family members, some of them. Some of them left their what? Their children and their wives. And they left everything. Houses they've been establishing for years. Father, son were passing on to each other. They looked at all of that. And they followed the commandment of the messenger, which is, we have to go to Medina. And they looked back at it, and they walked away from it. This station and this status itself gave them a big place in Islam. They were muhajirin. And they came to Medina having no hotel, no place to stay awaiting for them. And when they came, their, Ansar, their brothers from Ansar opened their hearts and minds for them. the Prophet in the battle of Badr, when the Messenger wanted to go, because the first reason why they wanted to go to the battle was to take the caravans of Quraysh. And on the caravans of Quraysh was what? The belongings that they left behind in Mecca. Quraysh took it and it started to sell it. And they were, make, they were making trades in Sham and coming back and forth. So Nabi Muhammad and his companions made a decision to go and get the caravan. But when they got there, Abu Sufyan was informed. Quraysh were told that Muhammad and his companions are coming. So they took another route. Abu Sufyan took a totally different route. And the caravan got saved for them. But Quraysh, and they announced a fight. And this is where the battle of Badr happened. When the battle of Badr, the Prophet ﷺ came to who? His companions to consult them and to speak to them and say, listen, we're going to have to fight now. And remember the Sahabas, they left on what mindset? What was the reason why they left? Just to take a caravan. They didn't even take the right weapons for it. They thought, they thought all they needed to do is just divert that caravan to Medina. That's all. They have no weapons, nothing. So the Sahabas look at the Prophet. They said, Ya Rasulullah, we have nothing. What are we going to fight with? We didn't psychologically and mentally prepare ourselves for this battle. We only came out for a caravan. And the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, he looked at his companions and the way he consulted his companions and he took their decisions. Whenever he would consult, the Ansar would not speak, only the Muhajirin would speak. And then the Muhajirin would speak. And then, and then the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasalam, kept looking at the companions. He says, who has any other thoughts to bring to the table? And then Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh stood up and he said, Ka'annaka turiduna ya Rasulullah, it's like you want us. It's like you're talking to us. And the Prophet said, yes. The reason why he wanted Ansar to talk is because the casualties will be more from Ansar than anyone else. They're largest in number. So their thoughts and their decision is needed. Plus, the bay'ah that the Prophet took with Ansar was that they would protect him and his property, the Prophet ﷺ, behind the walls of Medina, not outside Medina. That was the bay'ah that they took with him when he came into Medina. Now that he's taking them outside Medina, he wanted to take their thoughts if they're still willing to fight and are they willing to protect him. And this is what they said to him. They said to him, We're not going to say to you what Banu Israel said to Nabilahi Musa, Idhab anta wa faqatila inna hahuna qa'idun. You and your Lord go fight. We're just going to sit here and watch you fight. We're not going to say that to you. 
But what we're going to say to you is, إِذْهَبْ أَنْتَ وَرَبُّكَ فَقَاتِلًا Let you and your Lord fight فَإِنَّا مَعَكُمَا مُقَاتِلُونَ We're going to fight shoulder to shoulder with you. They said, Ya Rasulullah, if you tell us to cut the distance of the ocean, we're going to do it with you. O Messenger of Allah. Then the Prophet ﷺ prepared the companions and then they went to the battle with 300 and something in number. Radiallahu, radiallahu anhum. With an army that are more than them in number. And Allah wa ta'ala, He said to them, لقد نصرك, لقد, uh, Allah wa ta'ala, He says, لَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ بِبَدْرٍ وَأَنْتُمْ أَذِلَّةٍ Allah gave you victory in the battle of Badr when you were what? You were weak in number. You didn't have the, you didn't have the strength and the ability to fight and the ability to combat Quraysh. This battle, the Sahabas, it was said they had two courses only and they were sharing it. And the dates they would split it into half and they would share that one date. Radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Until they came to the battlefield. And when they came, remember, brothers, as I said to you, mentally and physically they are not ready for the battle. So this is what our religion went through. The deen that we have today and the way that we have this deen, a people have fought for it. A people have what? Their sweat and their blood went into it. وَلِذَلِكَ The battle of Badr, the people who participated in it are the greatest of people. وَلِذَلِكَ حَاطِبْ إِبْنَ أَبِي بَلْتَعَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ عَنْهُ When he gave the news to Quraysh. When he gave the news to what? The Prophet Wasallam's secret. What did he do? He went and he told Quraysh about the secret of the Prophet. He was a noble companion. He sent a letter to Quraysh telling them about the secrets of Nabi Muhammad. And the Messenger he was given revelation that a letter was sent to Quraysh. And the Messenger وسلم, he sent Ali ibn Abi Talib and uh, uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib and Shaddad ibn Ausin and other companions. He sent them to a wadi, a valley called Wadi uh, Khaq He said go there They went And when they went to the valley They met a woman And they said You have a secret of ours News things, Something that was given to you Give it back to us And she said I don't have nothing And they said You do have it Even Zubair ibn Awam was also sent Three people The woman said I don't have nothing It's nothing You're lying Leave me alone So Ali ibn Abi Talib and the other companions Zubair ibn Awaman Shaddad ibn Ausir radiallahu ta'ala anhu is it Shaddad? I know Zubair ibn Awaman Ali ibn Abi Talib and a third companion Miqdad ibn Ausir radiallahu anhu is Miqdad it was Zubair ibn Awam Miqdad ibn Ausir and it was Ali ibn Abi Talib Miqdad and um, Zubair ibn Awam said to the woman if you don't have it let's go back Ali, let's go back. Ali said, Wallahi, the messenger said that this woman has something and she does have it. She has to give it to us. Wallahi, you're, giving, you're going to give it to me or I'm going to strip your clothes from you until you give it to me. You have something of ours. Wallahi, Nabi Muhammad will not send us unless it's true. 
So the woman, she opened her hair and she plaited a note into her hair. What did she do? She plaited inside her hair. So she brought it out and she gave it to Ali ibn Abi Talib and Miqdad and Zubair ibn Awam. And they brought the letter back to the Prophet and on top of the letter was whose name? It said from Hatib ibn Abi Balta'a to Quraysh. So, so the Prophet ﷺ said, where's Hatib? Call him for me. And when Hatib came, the Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, Ya Rasulullah, you messenger of Allah, da'ni adribu unuqa hadha al-munafiq. Let me kill this munafiq. Hypocrite. Look what he did to us. He went and he told Quraysh what took place, was taking place. And look what the Prophet said, da'hu, leave him Umar. فَإِنَّهُ قَدْ شَهِدَ بَدْرًا Leave this man, he participated in the what? In the battle of Badr. Leave him alone. خَلُّوا سَبِيلَهُ Leave him لِأَنَّهُ قَدْ شَهِدَ بَدْرًا Are you with me brothers? The participation of this battle was unprecedented. Are you with me brothers? The people of Badr were unique. They were given a title known as Badriyun. It was a virtue. So we give those virtues to Ahlul Badr. The Prophet ﷺ in the same hadith of Hatib ibn Ibn Al-Ta'ad, you know what he said? He said, In another riwayah, he said, Do you not know the station of the people of Badr? The Sahaba said, What is it, your Messenger of Allah? He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, ma People of Badr, do as you wish. فَقَدْ غَفَرْتُ for verily I have forgiven you. فَقَدْ غَفَرْتُ لَكُمْ Ahlul Badr, do as you wish, I've forgiven you all. That day, the people who came out in a battle they were not ready for, and they were not prepared for it, military they're not prepared, psychologically they came out just to take a caravan. That station and that willingness and that submission to Allah and His Messenger allowed them to be forgiven for their sins. It was a big day that day. 300 against the number and force of Quraysh was double and more than that. Are you with me, brothers? They said that even the earth was not on their side. The earth and the way that it was made, it was not in, in favor of the Muslims on, the, of that day, on that day. Allah tested them, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to bring out their iman and their truth, true belief of this religion. So those people are not... They are not light, uh, light people. The second one was the people of Bay'atul Ridwan. Bay'atul Ridwan were a people who did what? Where did Bay'atul Ridwan come from? It came after the Prophet ﷺ, and the year he went for what? The year he went for Sulhul Hudaybiyah. The year he went for the Treaty of. The Treaty of Hudaybiyah was the year the Messenger ﷺ, he announced one year before he died, the ninth year of Hijriyah, the Messenger ﷺ announced that he wants to go and do Umrah. Salawatullahi He announced it. And so he got up, him and the companions, and they left. When they came to a place called Hudaybiyah, they came to that place called Hudaybiyah, Quraysh sent a representative from their side commanding the Prophet to stay there and not move. And who they sent was Urwat ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Urwat ibn Mas'ud came, he met the Prophet ﷺ in Hudaybiyah, 
And he said, you're not going to go nowhere. You're not going to move. Quraysh has prevented you from hajj, uh, uh, going to the Kaaba. If you want to go, it's going to, it's going to be a fight. The messenger is what? He's, what? What clothes is he wearing? He's wearing what? He's wearing a ihram. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Quraysh are not letting him go forward to go to the house of Allah and do tawaf and sa'i. That's all he wants. He said, I don't want anything else. We're not going to fight. We have no weapons. We're going to do umrah. We're going to go back. Arabs are not going to hear Muhammad came into the Kaaba and did umrah and left. Between us is fight. Nabi Allah Muhammad, when Urwat ibn Mas'ud in his Saqafiyu came and he was the first representative that they sent to deal with the Messenger Ali Urwa spoke to the Prophet and I mentioned this story before Urwa, every time he would speak he would touch the Prophet's beard and he said to the Prophet of Allah Wallahi these people that are next to you meaning Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman he's talking about Wallahi they can't defend you you think these people are going to really help you and these weak people and Abu Bakr became very angry and he responded to him. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And every time he tried to touch the Prophet's beard, Mughirat ibn Shu'b was standing right on top of him. And Mughirat had a sword and he had his armor on and he would hit him with the sword, not slice him, but hit it on his hand like that. So he hit him a couple of times. So whenever he touched the Prophet's beard, somebody would hit his hand and again. So he said, who's this man who's on top of you? Touching, hitting my hand like this. And he said to him, This is Mughira. And then he said, غدرika, You are still upon your deception, ha Mughira. And what he means by this is Mughira did something. Mughira, before he took Islam, he brought Quraysh together, a group of his friends from Quraysh, because they went to Egypt. And they went to Egypt and they met the leader of Egypt, um, Malik. The leader of Eskadariya, what was his name? Huh? Mokokis. They went to Mokokis, and what did he do? He gave them money and wealth. He gave Mughira less than the rest. He gave Mughira less, and he gave more to the other ones that were with him. So he was upset from that. So Mughira made the decision he wants to take Islam. So what he did, he gave them Ul Khamar. So they all drank Khamar, they became drunk. He killed them all, he took the money from them. He took the money and he came to Medina and he said, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, wa ashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. So this is what Urwat ibn Mas'ud, he knows him from Jahiliya days, that he got away. He said, you're still deceiving us, huh? So the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam looked at Mughira, look how fair the Prophet was. He said, ya Mughira, amma islamuka faqad qabilna. As for your Islam, we've accepted it from you. وَأَمَّا الْمَالُ As for the wealth that you took, give it back to them. The wealth that you took from them is theirs. Give it back to them. They're not letting him go to the Kaaba. He said, give them back their money. That's not... I'm not gonna, Islam cannot help you or it cannot eradicate injustice or people's wealth that you've taken. So what happened was Urwat ibn Mas'ud he stood up and he left. He couldn't come to a conclusion with Nabi Muhammad and the companions. Urwa went back to Mecca. They said to him, hey, what did you see? Tell us what you saw. How was it like? How was the meeting? He said, Wallahi, 
inni wafatu ala muluku kisra wa qaisar I was a representative for you guys and you sent me to the leader of qaisar and kisra I went on your behalf true or false he said yes he said wallahi ma ra'aytu qawman yu'azzimu I didn't see a people who honor their leader kama yu'azzimu ashaba muhammadin muhammada that way that Muhammad's companions respect him and love him. I've never seen that. I've been to all of the leaders that you sent me to. The way that these men honor and they love Nabi Muhammad, I've never seen anyone like that. And then he went into details. He said, ما He didn't do no wudu. Except they fought over the water that was coming from his body parts. They were all pouring in their hands. They, went, they were doing wudu from his wudu. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He didn't spit a spit. Except that he, hand, he fell into the hand of one of the companions and he will wipe on his face. In love of who? And this is only unique to him, alayhi salatu wasalam. Jawazu tabarruki. Are you with me, brothers? The permissibility of using a body part or something from a person. No, no welly or no one can you do that for now. He said, Wallah, I don't think those people will give you up Muhammad easily, sallallahu alayhi wa The last man will fight for him. Are you with me, brothers? The last, the last man will fight for him. So Quraysh, they said, okay. They stood, they, they said, Safwan ibn Abu Jandal's father. Safwan ibn Umayyah, right? Safwan ibn Umayyah. They sent him to go to the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa Quraysh, when they sent him, he said, I, uh, these are the conditions I have. Hey, what's the conditions? He said, the conditions are anyone who takes Islam, anyone who takes Islam, you bring them back to us. I mean, you send them back to us. You don't, you don't accept him. He cannot come under your wilaya in Medina. He takes Ashadullah, you send him back. The Prophet said, hey, agreed. It's the hardest contract that he had to sign. He said, okay, I agree. And then he looked around and he saw his son in the midst of the companions. So Fahd ibn Umayyah. His name is? Suhail ibn Amri, sahih. It was Suhail ibn Amri. He saw his son Abu Jandal in the midst of what? Abu Jandal. Abu Jandal's story was one month he was traveling from Mecca to Medina with his chains on because he escaped from his father. He just made it to Medina. Ibn Hajjan and others mentioned and Ibn Abdul Bar in his kitab al-Isaba fi sahaba they made it days before that day, the contract. He just made it. The chains were taken off him and he was just he was fitting into Medina. And when the Messenger sallallahu looked at Suhail ibn Amr and he said to him He's not part of the contract. The contract starts from now onwards. This is before. This is before. He said, He's the first person I bring into the discussion. This contract's not going to move unless you give my son back to me. The messenger said to Abu Jandal, Stand up and go with your dad. He stood up and he said, Go with your dad. Are you with me, brothers? So he went and he. The Prophet signed that contract. Allah referred to it in the Quran was as what? Inna fatahna. Was that a fatha for Islam? Allah referred to this as an opening for Islam. 
Umar stood up that day and he said, Ya Rasulullah, oh Messenger of Allah, Umar, Umar got angry. He couldn't see, he couldn't accept that. The, 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 the feeling that Umar had, we went through Battle of Badr, we did Uhud, we fought for Islam. Why are we humiliated for? How can they dictate conditions and we sign it? And Umar said to the Prophet, Alasta Nabi Allah, you know the Prophet of Allah? Alasna ala al haqq wa'aduna ala al batil. Are we not upon the truth and they are upon falsehood? Why are we the one who are being humiliated like this? And we have to sign a paper. Umar wants to fight his way to Mecca. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Ana nabiyun. I'm a Prophet. I do what Allah tells me to do. Umar stood up and he ran to who? Abu Bakr. And he said the same thing to Abu Bakr. And Abu Bakr said the same answer the Prophet gave. He said he's a Prophet of Allah and he does what Allah tells him to do. This, some of the scholars, they took a fiqh from this, which is, even that though generally Umar is a strong one, the composure of Abu Bakr was strong at this time. Are you with me, brothers? Radiallahu. Radiallahu ta'ala. وَلِذَلِكَ Pay attention to this. Abu Bakr, sorry, Umar, he said, the statement I said that day to the Prophet, he said, it took me the remaining portion of my life to repent from it. The way I spoke to the Prophet, and the way I, was, I became, and angry I became. The way I dealt with the whole situation. So the Prophet told his companions, we're going to go back and do Umrah. And then Umar said, Ya Rasulullah, are we not going to, did you not say we're going to do Umrah? To the Kaaba of Allah, the house of Allah. And the Prophet said, I said it, but no, I didn't say that we're going to do it this year. Umar, I never said to you it was this year. But Wallahi lanatufanna bil bayti. Wallahi we'll do tawaf around the Kaaba. And Wallahi we're going to do sa'i, the Prophet said to Umar. On the way back, the Prophet who was buried next to Hudaybiyah, his mother, sallallahu alayhi wa And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, at a place that's not far from Hudaybiyah, that was a path, the road from Makkah to Medina, which is called Abwa. His mother was buried there. And he said, Ista'adantu Rabbi, I took permission from Allah. If I could just go and what? I can go and visit my mother's grave. فَأَذِنَ Allah said, you can go and visit your mother's grave. وَاسْتَأَذَنْتُ رَبِّيَ And I took a second permission from Allah. If I can ask forgiveness for my mother. فَلَمْ يَأْذَلْ Allah did not allow me. I was told that you cannot ask forgiveness for your mother. This benefits us something which is, if Nabiullah Muhammad cannot do anything for his mother, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, do you really think the person that you are looking up to and you're giving them the ultimate belief, the friend that you're with today that has taken you away from the haqq, the individual that you've befriended today, do you really think he's going to be able to help you? Nabiullah Ibrahim, the day of judgment, his father's going to come to him and he's going to say to him, Ya Ibrahim, Ibrahim, command me today. Ibrahim's father comes to him the day of judgment. He says to him, my son, come here. Wallahi, tell me to do anything, I'll do it today. I will listen to you, dad. Today, just tell me what it is that you want me to do. I will listen to you, my son. And then Ibrahim turns to Allah and he said, Ya Allah, you promised me. What was the promise Allah gave the Nabiullah Ibrahim? That Allah is not going to humiliate in the day of judgment. That was a promise you gave me, O oh Allah. What is a greater humiliation than to see my father in the state that he is, to, that he is in today? 
And then Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala says to him, this is a promise I made Ibrahim before anything that I disbelieve or not enter Jannah. And then Nabila Ibrahim looks back at his father and he sees his father as a what? A wild dog. In the form of a what? Hyena or a wild dog. Are you with me brothers? So you have to understand a prophet can't help their own parents. Are you with me brothers? They can't. The thing that's going to help you is what? Your amal. Your deeds. What you do and with the mercy of Allah is what's going to take you to Jannah. So these companions, this is the virtue that they had. And so what the Prophet ﷺ did after Hudaybiyah was that he took them all to where? A tree and he took a what? He took a bay'ah with them, sallallahu alayhi wa which was called bay'atul ridwan. Allah mentioned in the Quran, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ The people who are under that tree that day, Allah was pleased with each and every one of them. We give the virtue of those people. There are ten companions who are promised Jannah, Ibn Taymiyyah mentions. And they are who? Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali. And Sa'ad ibn Abi, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. And Zubayr ibn Awam and Talha ibn Ubaidillahi and Abu Ubaidah Amir ibn Jarrah and Abdurrahman Abdurrahman ibn Awfin and Sa'id ibn many people don't know this this last one Sa'id ibn Zaydin radiallahu ta'ala anhum these are called what? Al-Ashara al-Mubashareena bil-Jannah why are these called the ten promised Jannah? are they not more than that? yeah? There are more that were promised Jannah. Bilal was from those who were promised Jannah. Are you with me, brothers? Bilal was what? Were promised Jannah. The woman, the black woman that was mentioned in the narration, Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala on his narration, the woman who the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned that she used to faint. She had what we would call today epilepsy. So, she came to the Prophet she said, Ya Rasulullah, Udu'ullaha. Make dua for me that Allah wa ta'ala removes this illness from me. And the Prophet said, Da'utullaha laka. I ask Allah and I supplicate Him and He will take away from you your illness. Or you be patient upon the illness and Jannah is your abode. Which one do you want? And she looked, look how Jannah meant to these people. Are you with me, brothers? You see, to get to Jannah, you have to be tested. That's the part of the, 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 the requirement that comes to get Jannah. صح? So she said, okay. But then she said to him, Udu'ullaha li, ask Allah for me, Alla atakashaf. At least that my aura doesn't show. When I faint, my aura sometimes shows. But if I do faint, are you with me, brothers? Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to say to the companions, do you want to see a woman from the women of Jannah? And he would say, that woman over there is from the women of Jannah. The Prophet promised her Jannah. Are you with me? Imagine knowing that you're walking on this earth and all that is between you and entering Jannah is to taste the what? Is to sip the cup of death. That's it. Abu Bakr knew he was in Umar knew. Ma'adhalika 
even though they knew they were from Ahlul Jannah, Umar radiallahu anhu, what did he do to the companion Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman? What did he do? Hudayfa was known as what? Sahibu Sidr Rasulullah, صح? Hudayfa knew the munafiqeen, their names were given to him, the list of the munafiqeen were given to him, right? Umar radiallahu anhu, when the Prophet died, he came to him and he said to him, did the Prophet give you my name in the list of the munafiqeen? Am I in that list? Umar is from what? The ten brothers promised Jannah. He said, I met I met 120 companions. There was not any one of them except he was scared of hypocrisy. I mean, each and every one of the companions I, I saw Another riwayah I came across is he said, "Adraktu thalatina min ashabi Rasulillah." Thirty I met. Are we together? And every one of them was scared of hypocrisy, that their iman and their belief in their heart was not real. That's what they were. That's what they were scared of. Then you realize why these people Allah chose them, Subhanahu wa Taala. The Sahaba's brothers, they were the best. And they are the best after all of the Prophets. There are no Prophets, followers, greater than the companions of the Prophet Are you with me, brothers? The greatest of them is who? Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. The Prophet look what he said. In a hadith, he said, مَا مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا وَكَانَ لَهُ عَلَيَّ يَدٌ فَكَافَأْتُوا بِهِ There is not a person except that he had rights on me and I gave him back his rights. The Prophet is saying this. Everyone who favored me, did something for me, I repaid them back. Illa Abu Bakr. Except Abu Bakr. فَتَرَكْتُ مُكَافَأَتَهُ لِلَّهِ I left it for Allah to reward him. Are you with me, brothers? Abu Bakr has reached that level. That he left it with who to reward Abu Bakr? Allah Azza wa Jalla. Abu Bakr reached the qibma, the dome. He was asked, who is the most beloved person to you? And he said, Abu Bakr. Aisha, he said. And then they said to him, Min al-rijali from the men. And then he said, Abiha, her father. Her father was what? Billahi alaykum, look at this. When our mother Aisha was um, accused of what she was accused of Whose side Whose position did he take Abu Bakr He did not say this is my daughter I'm not going to let anyone say what He was on the side of the Prophet Never questioned the Prophet's position He did not question He did not question anything Are we together brothers Rather he boycotted his daughter And he stopped speaking to her Because of that situation Are you with me That just shows you the level of Abu Bakr. وَلِذَلِكَ أَطَّعْنُ فِي أَبِي بَكَرِ Slandering Abu Bakr, criticizing Abu Bakr, is wanting to slander Islam. وَلِذَلِكَ أَبُوْ زُرْعَةَ الرَّازِي What did he say? He said, هَاُولَاءِ يُرِيدُونَ شُهُودَنَا These people want our witnesses. So Abu Bakr drops, what drops? Great portion of the deen drops. Are you with me? The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam at the night of Hijrah, the night of the Hijrah. 
the Prophet was known and it was his character not to come out Dhuhr time. Dhuhr and Asr, the Prophet used to sleep. It's Qaylula. But the Hijrah, the Messenger knocked on the door at Dhuhr time and he came to the house of Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr was shocked to see the Prophet at Dhuhr knocking on the door. And he said, what brought you out? And he said, inna Allah amarani, Allah commanded me to migrate. And Abu Bakr, I want, you to, I want you to accompany me. The Prophet chose from all of the companions, who did he choose? He chose Abu Bakr radiallahu And Allah referred to him what? What did Allah refer to Abu Bakr as? As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's friend. إِذْ يَقُولُ لِصَاحِبِهِ لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا when he said to his friend, Abu Bakr was the Prophet's friend. And in that cave, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he saw a little scorpion come out from one of the holes. Because what he did was when he went in, he ripped his clothing and he made, he patched all of the holes. And there was one he didn't and he saw something come out and he put his leg on there. And it bit him. Are you with me brothers? And the Prophet ﷺ was sleeping on whose, uh, whose thigh? The Prophet ﷺ was sleeping on Abu Bakr's thigh. Abu Bakr, the pain, he's still holding his leg there, but the pain, he's scared if it comes out, he's going to do what? He's going to harm who? The Messenger ﷺ. So Abu Bakr holding it together, the tear that came out of his eyes because of the pain, it hit the Prophet ﷺ, he looked up, and the Messenger ﷺ, he said to him, Malaka ya Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr, what is it that's happened to you? What is it what's taking? And then he told him. And the Prophet touched the part of Abu Bakr in which was bitten and it became fine. It got better. He went with the Messenger والسلام, through the whole journey. The leaders of Quraysh came and they stood right on. And then he said to him, O oh, Messenger of Allah, look, if they just look down, they can see us that we're in this hole. Are you with me? And then the Prophet said to him, ما ظنك بثنين What do you think of two? الله ثالثهما The third one with them is Allah. What do you think of them? Two. With them is who? Allah Azza. What do you think of those two? How do you think a person can do anything to them? Abu Bakr and the Prophet came out. When they came out, as they walked out, one of Quraysh spotted the Prophet and Abu Bakr, and his name was Suraqat ibn Malik. Suraqat saw Abu Bakr and the Prophet. He had a riding beast, so he came fast. And when he came close, what happened? The earth swallowed him. And then he told the Prophet, you know, get me out of this. And the Messenger والسلام, asked Allah, and he got better. And then he came charging at the Prophet again. And then the earth swallowed him. When he did it three times, he said, I promise you, I'll go back. And what brought out Suraqat ibn Malik was that Quraysh placed on the Prophet's head a hundred camels, right? So he wants to take that hundred camels. That's not a little money. And the Prophet said to Suraqah, I promise you that you're going to get the crown of what? The Kisra's crown will be yours. He said, what do you think if you got it? Imagine at that time, Nabi Muhammad is running out of Mecca, he's hiding. What is he talking about? Walidalika Umar was the one who conquered Kisra. He was the one who opened it. 
and as soon as the treasures of Kisra was placed on the earth, he said, where's Suraqa? Suraqa came, he said, take the crown that the Prophet promised you. Sallallahu alayhi wa And he wore it, and he left with it. Are you with me, brothers? So these companions, the first one is Abu Bakr, and then comes who? Umar came next. The Prophet said about Umar, I saw a dream. I saw a... I saw a dream, the Prophet said. And in that dream... He said... Your soul was dragging. And then he said to him, What interpretation did you give to this? What, did you, what was the interpretation to this dream? And he said, I interpret it to be what? Your fiqh and your goodness. And in another narration, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that he went to Jannah. And as he was walking, he was shown a portion of it. And then he said, Who, this beautiful place, whose is it for? And then it was told... That is owned by who? Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he said, I never entered. I never looked into it. And Umar said, why didn't you go in on Messenger of Allah? He said, tadakkartu ghiratak ya Umar. I remembered your jealousy. The women are in Jannah. And I remembered your jealousy. And he said, Messenger of Allah, you? I'm be jealous of you? So Umar radiallahu anhu, when he came into Islam, Allah honored Islam through him. They mentioned Umar was the only person that when he left Mecca he didn't hide. He told Quraysh he was leaving. And he told Quraysh he took Islam. He came to a Quraysh where they used to sit in, in the opening of Mecca. And he said to them, listen, I am a Muslim. I believe in Nabilahi. Everybody was hiding to go to Mecca. He said, I took Islam. And I'm a believer. And I'll tell you what route I'm taking. I'm taking that route to Medina right now. Anyone who wants his mother to lose him and his wife to lose him, then take that route, inshallah ta'ala, follow me. Ahlul Sira, they mentioned that. Are you with me, brothers? Like in what La Shaka was, Umar was a person who was very strong physically. Well, it was said that. If he ever walked in the Suqul Uqaba, only him and Khalid ibn Walid would be seen. They're tall and they were strong. And I read in the Wafayatul uh, Ayan by Ibn Kalli Khan that one time, and remember we, we have Nu'min al Tasahul, we're a bit lenient when it comes to the Seerah, a bit. Umar anhu said that when he would sit on a horse, it would turn into a donkey, his legs would touch the floor. Because of his, how tall and strong he was. One day they said he was riding a horse and he wanted, and he never used to place a hakama on the horse, meaning he never used to ride it with a rope. He used to grab the hair of the horse. Umar radiallahu anhu. And so one time, Umar radiallahu anhu, the horse was going right and he wanted to go left. And he snapped the neck of the horse. What did he do? He snapped the neck of the horse. Umar radiallahu anhu. When the Ghanaim would be taken, the spoils of war, Umar, even as a leader, he wasn't unjust. He wasn't unjust. He would only take one cloth like everybody else. But he would then ask his son, Ibn Umar, Father, can you give me another one? 
because of his, how tall and strong he was, one wouldn't be enough to cover him. And, but he wouldn't take two from here. And his son Abdullah ibn Umar would give it uh, to him. وَلِذَلِكَ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ At his time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he opened Islam and conquered lands through him. وَلِذَلِكَ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ In the pulpit of Medina, he stood up to do khutbah and his garment had 12 stitches on it. 12 stitches. Meaning every time it ripped, he stitched it. Every time it ripped, he what? Every time it ripped, he what? 12 stitches. No more than that. And even when the Roman leader came to visit him and see him, he, had, he and his mawla were swapping the riding beast. And he was wearing this 12-stitched garment. And the leader's coming to see him. And whenever he got tired, he would sleep under the tree. And then he would keep... And this slave boy and him were swapping. For a period of time, Umar would have it, sit on it. And for a period of time, he would sit on it. They came to the place and who was whose turn was it it wasn't his turn Umar and the man said I'll give it to you please take it he said no 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 they asked him to change his clothes and to wear something appealing and you have to understand the, ar- the leader wants to meet Umar because Umar's army is where it's conquering lands after lands so when he saw Umar and the way he looked and the way they all looked. Umar before that said to the companions, Islam, the honor that came to us that we have today through our religion. Anyone who tries to look for honor in other than Islam, Allah will humiliate him. My honor didn't come from the clothing I'm wearing and the riding beast that I'm on. My honor came from where? It came from me holding on to my religion. And Allah honors us subhanahu wa ta'ala when we hold on to the to his deen. The third person in virtue is Uthman radiallahu anhu. Uthman was a man, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa loved him so much, he did for him something that he, did not, he didn't do for anyone else, which was he gave him two of his daughters. When one died, he gave him the second one. And he got the name what? The Nuraini they called him, Uthman radiallahu anhu. The Messenger told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Uthman. He said to him, the Prophet was lying down one day and his thighs were showing, alayhi salatu And then when Abu Bakr came in, the Prophet did not change from his position. And then who came in? Umar, he didn't change from his position. But when Uthman came in, what did he do? He sat up and he covered his thighs. And so Aisha was looking at the Prophet sallallahu and she said, why did you change your composure? Why did you change your sitting? And why did you cover yourself? Why did you do what you did? And then he said, Why should I not be shy of a man? The angels are shy of And then Uthman who was shy of him? The angels. Uthman Mazluman. He was killed oppressively. Thuwar. The first time protest was done in Islam were not done by good people. Every time protesting came from that evil action. That is what gave birth to protesting. So protesting and demonstration has no place in Islam. What did they do? They uprose against Uthman. Dhulman wa udwana. 
And they, what they caused him was to stay in his house and be in there and not be able to what? To come out. Uthman wasn't able to come out. And so Ali Abi Talib came in and he said to him, Uthman, I've got my sword. What do you want me to do? I can kill. I can fight for you. And then Uthman anhu said to him, I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, if two parties of Muslims meet each other with their swords, فَالْقَاتِلُ وَالْمَقْتُولُ فِي النَّارِ The one that kills and the one that's killed are both in the hellfire. <laughs> then the Sahaba said, هَذَا الْقَاتِلُ That's the killer. فَمَا بَالُ الْمَقْتُولُ Why the one that's being killed? Then the Prophet said, إِنَّوْ كَانَ حَرِيصًا عَلَىٰ قَتْلِ صَاحِبِ Because they both wanted to kill each other. In other words, what he was saying was, let these people do what they want. Leave no one. And he commanded everyone in his palace, if I have, if you, will, if you still believe that I am the Amir al-Mu'mineen, and you still believe I'm the leader of the Muslims, and my words will be, all of you go. Even the slave people. Everyone, he told them, take your bags and leave. No one is going to defend me. Are you with me, brothers? Umar <coughs> was fasting that day which he was killed, and he was reading the Quran. He was what? He was reading the Quran and they said that his blood fell on the ayah Sibghat Allah wa man ahsanu min Allah Sibghah The drop that came from his blood They said that he hit that That ayah in the Quran Abu Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu The fourth person is Ali ibn Abi Talib Ali is who? Ali is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's cousin And he was the He was married to who? <coughs> The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a daughter, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married Fatima to Ali ibn Abi Talib. And how many children did he have with Fatima? Hassan. Those are the only two that he had with her. Hassan was older and Hussein was younger. Some people think they're twins. No, they're not. Hassan is older and Hussein is and Hussein is younger. Ali ibn Abi Talib was also killed. And he was killed by Abdurrahman ibn Muljim. Abdurrahman ibn Muljim, a Khariji, killed Ali ibn Abi Talib. The time that they, they wanted to kill, they planned to kill three people at the same time. The first person was who? Ali ibn Abi Talib and Muawiyah and who? Amr ibn As. Amr ibn As and Muawiyah did not get killed. Who got killed? Ali ibn Abi Talib got killed. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Ali's fadail are a lot. Walidharika, the Prophet sallallahu said, Ghadan, tomorrow, I'm going to give the raya the banner to a man Allah Allah loves and his messenger love him he loves Allah and his messenger and Allah and his messenger love him in return so next day everyone came Umar said we all came everyone came it's this, this is the gathering where the Prophet is going to give the raya tomorrow to one person whose characteristics is what he loves Allah and his messenger and Allah and his messenger love him Umar said in my life I never wanted to be a leader I did not want to be a person in the front four I didn't want to ever give, be given a banner and to be told to lead things. But that day I wanted it so much. Because a characteristic comes with it, which is what? 
Allah and His Messenger love you and you love Allah and His. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, he, I, he said, I put myself up just so the Prophet can see me, he doesn't miss me out. Then the Prophet he just looked and he said, Where's Ali? They said, Ya Rasulullah, these last couple of days he's been sick, he has an eye problem. The Prophet said, Call him to me. The Prophet blew in his eyes. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet said, Inzil bisahatihim. Take this banner with you and go down into the stream of the battle. And then the Prophet said the famous hadith that we all know. La yahdi Allahu bika rajulun wahidun khayrun laka. Khayrun laka min humrun na'am. For you, Allah to guide one person on your hand is better for you than a red camel. Ali bin Abi Talib. So Ali had fada'il, many virtues that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned for him. Here there's a mas'ala that has to be understood. Did the scholars and Ahl Sunnah differ on the virtue of Abu Bakr and Umar? No. It's ijma'a. Are you with me, brothers? There's no dispute. Like in who's virtuous? Uthman and Ali. Was there, is there a dispute amongst Ahl Sunnah in this issue? Yes, there is. Are we all together? And Shaykh Al-Islam says that no one is considered to be misguided if he says that Ali is better. Are we all together? Over who? It's not قول يضلل به صاحبه The one who's saying it's not considered to be misguided. No. Are we all together? لكن Anyone who questions Uthman's legitimacy in leadership then this person يضلل is misguided. Why? Because Uthman's leadership was what? Ijma'ah. Are we all together brothers? So don't confuse two things. The virtue na'am is a mas'alam اختلفه فيه السلف لكن they did not dispute that Uthman's Khilafah was what? <coughs> was legitimate. Anyone who questions the legitimacy of Uthman's Khilafah and says it was not legitimate, then this person is what? Misguided Mubtadi'ah. He's a misguided innovator. He's a what? Misguided innovator. Ibn Taymiyyah even said, Adallu min himari ahli. He's more misguided than the donkey. Also, the Sahabas, they disputed one another and a Khilaf happened between them. The dispute that happened between the companions was Uthman got killed. Uthman got Uthman got killed. And who was the closest related person to Uthman? Muawiyah. Muawiyah considered himself to be the close what he was, the closest relative of who? Uthman. Ali ibn Abi Talibin just took over the what? The Khilafah of the Muslims. And Muawiyah saw it. Necessary that the people who killed Uthman are brought to what? Because they're, they're roaming in Mecca, Medina. These people are just out in the streets. They killed Uthman and they're what? Walking around. And Muawiyah was holding on to the ayah. If someone is killed oppressively uh, and he's unjustly killed, then the responsibility comes back to who? The family of the person who's been killed. They demand for the blood. So Muawiyah said, I am a what? I am the family of Uthman. I can't sit, I can't sit back and just let them roam in the streets. So bring them to justice, Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ali on the other hand was saying, I am. But I will do it after the istiqrar al-dawla. What just took place is anarchy. Are we all together brothers? There's instability. They just rose up against who? The leader of the Muslims. In, and the weakness has touched us. And it seems 
things have to be taken back into power again and strength and power needs to be used. Wait for the issue of Uthman for now and let's deal with this later. Muawiyah then said, I'm not going to give bay'ah if I don't get the people killed. Uthman. That's simply what it really was. La Muawiyah was never saying to Ali ibn Talib, you're a legitimate leader, I'm going to take that leadership, that position is meant to be mine. No. And by the way, Muawiyah has already got a position in Sham, was given to him by who? Uthman. He was a governor on behalf of Uthman radiallahu anhu. Rather, Umar, some of the scholars mentioned. So he was holding it from the time of Umar through to the time of Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Are we all together? So he was always a governor and he never questioned, he never thought himself to be the what? The Khalifa of the Muslims. This issue then became very big amongst the two noble companions radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. May Allah be pleased with both of them. Both of them, may Allah be pleased with them. Uthman, Umar, Ali ibn Abi Talib then said to Muawiyah, you're going to give me a bay'ah. You have to. You have no choice. I'm asking for it now. Who said that? So then Ali when Muawiyah didn't, and he said, I am not. Unless my demands are reached, what happened? Ali sent an army to who? To Muawiyah radiallahu anhu. And that battle was what? Battle, the Ma'arakat al-Sifin that took place. Great companions died. Noble companions died in that battle. From those who died in that battle was Zubair ibn Awam, Talha ibn Ubaidillahi. Like Zubair ibn Awam was not fighting. He was walking away from the battle. And the arrow hit him from the back. Talha ibn Ubaidillahi's head was cracked between two rocks in the middle of the battle. Ashram and Bashir ibn Noble people. When they, whose army is going to be stronger in terms of force? That which of? Ali ibn Abi Talib and Ali is the Khalifa. And Muawiyah is only a, a wali of a government place. So when they, who is, who is the commander of the battle of Muawiyah? Amr ibn As. So Amr ibn As instructed the people, he said, raise the Musahif, the Quran. Put your Quran high up. Meaning it was a way to stop the battle. And so when they used, Muawiyah's army used that, it worked. Ali ibn Talib is an army, saw the Masahif, how they're going to kill somebody who's holding onto the Mus'haf. And the fight, it stopped at that moment. The companions, radiallahu anhum, who died in that battle were large in number on both sides. All in whom, inshaAllah ta'ala, we love and we honor and we, like in Shaytan, look at him. How he wants to make Muslims fight. How he wants to bring problems amongst the people. And then the second battle that happened was what? Ma'arakatu? The battle, second battle that happened, what was it called? Jamal. And the reason why it was called Jamal is because Aisha came, radiallahu anha, she was on a camel. When she came, Aisha, and Aisha did not come to spread a fight, nor did she come to aid a fight. Are we together? She didn't come for that. But when things got, you see, when matters are, a lot of people are trying to do idara of the issue, and the gawa'in nas are involved, no one can stop it. As Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah mentioned. No one is able to stop the problem. Anyway, the second fight happened. Aisha fell off her camel. Then, when she fell off her camel, Abdullah ibn Umar and other companions, they, they placed her on the camel, and they took her back to where? They took her to Medina. 
some of the scholars they mentioned Aisha never left her house in Medina from that day on she used to cry when she used to remember that event and what happened and the people who died and she said to Abdullah ibn Umar why did you not stop me because Abdullah ibn Umar never participated it was one of the people who walked away from all of this are you with me brothers brothers when fitna happens be quiet don't indulge into it walk away from it people's aqal goes Imr Uqais, what did he say in the lines of poetry? He said, The fitna is like a woman when it first comes. It's like a beautiful woman. Everyone is attracted to it. Everyone's running after everybody. When the people go in the middle of the fitna and they are in it, it starts the bitterness and the Problems are seen, right? Are we all together, brothers? And then later when the people, the fitna finishes, the people realize the problem that came out of everything. Mess, blood, loved ones are gone. The land has become destroyed. The currency has gone down. The buildings and the infrastructure has all been collapsed. Fitna is not a good thing. Fitna is not a, it's not a good thing. So the Sahabas, what happened between them that day, Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah mentions here, they are between one reward or what? Two reward. All of them, wallahi, they were working towards that which was khair. Are you with me, brothers? They were all working towards what they believed in. Are you with me, brothers? And it was based on ta'wil interpretation. That's what made them fight. The narrations that you find... Regarding that which took place between the companions, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah divided into three. This khilaf, the fitna that happened between the Sahabas, ibn Taymiyyah mentions, in here, he mentions that the narrations are how many types? Three. The first one is ma huwa kadibun, that which is a lie. Are you with me brothers? Narrations which are, especially the narration that mentions that when Abu Musa al-Ash'ari and Amr ibn As met and the deception of Amr ibn As side, and how he deceived Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, are you with me, brothers? Don't take that. The second type is That which is true but things were added to it or things were reduced from it and deducted from it. The third one is that which is authentic. The story that took place between the companions which are authentic do not Whatever you do, this specific one, don't read the tawarikh and do not read the akhbar, books of tarikh. Ignore all of them. Hatta the book written by Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, because he brings all of that, and the books written by who? Ibn Asakin, and don't pause that for now. What do you read? Huh? Read the kutub sunnah and the kutub al-athar that mention these stories. The authenticity is in, is in those books. The Kutub Sunnah that mention them, they bring the authentic chains. Like in the Tawarikh, the histo- history books, everything's in there. No verification. And of course, Ibn Jarir al-Tabari's tafsir book, he already said at the beginning, I'm going to bring everything. I'm going to bring you everything that happened. Whether it's Sahih, whether it's Da'if, whether it's Mawdu' had fabricated. And since you can't distinguish one from the other, avoid it all. Until you learn what's authentically happened and you learn the science of hadith. Because the last thing that you want is to have something in your heart towards the what? 
the noble companions. What do we learn from the, that which took place between the companions? Which is a concept Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah hold on to daily. And the Shia try to push. Ahlul Sunnah, for you to bring the mistakes of the companion, is implying that the Ahlul Sunnah believe that the Sahabas are infallible. We never believed they were infallible. When you bring the companions' mistakes, all that we're going to say to you is that we already know they're not ma'asum. Are we all together, brothers? Are you with me, brothers? We already believe that the Sahabas are not ma'asum. They are not infallible. We know they do mistakes. We know shortcomings coming from them, as the Sheikh mentioned, rahimahullah ta'ala. Are we all together? They're not like the prophets. They are not. But what we believe regarding their mistakes here is that the sins that come from them, it's either sins that they repented from, which they repented from. As Shaykh Al-Islam says, which he repented from. Oh, he came with righteous deeds which eradicated the good, the, the mistake. I just want to believe that. We don't believe that they are what? We don't believe that they are infallible. But what we know is that Aisha radiallahu anha when she went to Ma'arakat al-Jamal, she repented, she used to cry. Are you with me? We also believe in what? Atabi hasanat. The person can come with, they came with righteous deeds after that which is going to what? <coughs> they, be, they reach, as the scholars say, if the water reaches, if the water reaches, if you urinate in the ocean, is that going to harm the urine? Are you with me, brothers? A sahaba's righteous deeds is, is ocean. The little mistakes that happen from them, it will be washed in the ocean of their good deeds. And a lot of them, Allah Taala told us in the Quran that He forgave them for it, which He mentions in the Quran. So holding the companions to the mistakes is you denying all of those points. We all together. The author then concluded by saying, if you look at the akbar regarding the companions you will realize that there is no prophet that came except there is no prophet that came whose followers are like the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. ومن أصول أهل السنة يتصديق بكرامات أولياء وما يجري الله على أيديهم من الخوارق العادات في عنواع في عنواع العلوم والمكاشفات والأنواع القدرة والتأثيرات كالمأثور عن سالف الأمم في سورة الكهف وغيرها وعن صدر هذه الأمة من الصحابة والتابعين وسائر قرون الأمنة وهي موجودة فيها إلى يوم القيامة. The author now goes into the belief of أهل السنة والجماعة of the Miracles of the saints, the awliya, karamatul awliya. Ahlul Sunnah believe in that. Do we believe the karamatul awliya? Yeah. Or are you Sufi believing karamatul awliya? Yeah. Now Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe in karamatul awliya. Our belief. The word karamat is a plural of the word karama. What is a karama? You have to understand the definition. Ayah azimah. It's a, a big sign that indicates the righteousness of this person. 
And there's another point that shows it. وَلَا تَقْتَرِنُوا بِدَعَاوَ النُّبُوَّةِ Ibn Taymiyyah said. And the person, he cannot claim this is prophecy. All this is, is mu'jiza is what's given to prophets. Karamat is what's given to the awliya. Awliya are what? Jam'u wali. And what does a wali mean? It's kullu mu'minin taqiyin. It's every righteous slave غير nabiyin. That's not a nabi. It is kullu mu'minin taqiyin غير nabiyin. It is every person who has iman, taqwa, and is not a prophet. It's called a what? A wali. A woman can be a, a woman can be a wali, and a man can be a what? Based on the ayah, Allah inna uliya Allahi la khufun alaihim, walahum yahzanun. Aladina amanu, wa kanu yatakun. Lakin a wali is not a man who didn't pray for forty years. That's a shaytan. That's not a. Shaytan Marik. One of the things that you read in these books, Ya Ikhwah, if you read the kitab written by Hakim Tirmidhi, not Imam Tirmidhi, it's another man called Hakim Tirmidhi, is called, he has a book called Khatmul Awliya. He believes that the prophets, the way that the Nabi Muhammad is the last of prophets, the awliya, there are Khatmul Awliya. The awliya is a Khatima. And if you, mention, if you see some of the awliya that are mentioned in these books, you realize. Even shaitan is not this bad. Are you with me, brothers? Crazy things, wallahi, that you read. Things that my tongue can never ever say. Wallahi. One of the stories, one of the least stories that he mentions. The smaller. I, I'm not going to go into the other stuff. It's too extreme. It's not good for your ears. But one of them is a sheikh who went into a dar. Where did he go into? He went into a house. With a woman that his students knew that wasn't his wife or anything. The willy. He did zina, everything was heard. She, they came out. The students, all of them fled. They said, shaitan. They all left him, except one. Because he knows the awliya. So he said to the sheikh, Sheikh said, Why did you stay for? Why were you there for? Everybody else left. Why did you remain? He said, When I came to you, I didn't come to you knowing that you're infallible from mistakes. I knew you were a, mis- you're a human being, you could do mistakes. Then the wali said to him, No, you're wrong. Hey, what's right? He said, What these people all saw was the apparent knowledge. Al Mudahir is what they saw. But what they don't know is the Ilm al this concept of Ilbul Batin that you need to really understand comes from a belief of Nabilah Musa and Khadir's dealing. Huh? Nabilah Musa and Khadir, when they came together, what was Khadir doing? Things that Nabilah Musa couldn't comprehend. Who was a prophet? Khadir to them is what? Well, he's not a prophet. So, one of the ways that Shaykh Ulusami said you can cut this whole debate is saying Khadir is a prophet from Allah, and he is the prophet from Allah. Once you say that, it's a problem for them. Because what they want to say is that I am not worshipping Allah anymore. I don't pray Dhuhr and Asr and Maghrib. You know why? I am a wali. I have left the Sharia of Nabi Muhammad. I have reached a level called Darajatul Yaqeen, certainty. Are you with me, brothers? And that, because I've reached Darajatul Yaqeen, 
just like Khadir left the Sharia of Nabi Musa. When he was not a prophet, he left it. He was doing things that Musa couldn't even understand. Are you with me? How, you see how the shaytan is sending revelation to them? Huh? The wahy of shaytan. So Nabiullah Khadir is a prophet from Allah, is he not? He said, وَمَا فَعَلْتُهُ عَنْ I didn't do this for myself. Who is he doing it from? Shaytan or the Allah? Allah Azza wa Jal. Are you with me, brothers? So, they will say, Fulanun balaga darajatul yaqeen. So, so reached the level of yaqeen, certainty. Certainty for them is what? It's a level that no, no one's understand. So, he does crazy stuff. He marries his maharim, his own daughters or anything. For them, it's no problem. What rules apply to you guys doesn't apply to me. He doesn't pray dhuhr, la asr, la maghrib, la salah. They will say to you, the sheikh, for the last 40 years, he hasn't been praying. He's tarqus salah. Are you with me, brothers? Instead of making the discussion whether he's a Muslim or not, and that's the mas'ala that the fuqaha are talking about, whether he's a Muslim or not, they're making the discussion whether he's a, he's a wali min awliya illahi ta'ala. Then a wali is a person who has three characteristics. He is kullu mu'minin. He's a mu'min. These are not mu'minin, they're disbelievers. Are you with me, brothers? Second one is mu'minin. Taqiyin. Taqi is what? He's saying third characteristic. Second, sorry. The third one is ghayri nabiyin. He's not a nabi. Because the awliya, the prophet is higher than a wali, right? We, Ahl Sunnah, believe that. The prophet is higher than awliya. Are you with me, brothers? The, West, the greatest wali in this ummah is who? Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Abu Bakr is nowhere close to any of the prophets. Okay, brothers? The author mentioned the types of awliya, the types of karamat that there are. He mentioned two types of... He mentioned two types of uh, karamat. The first one is karamat that is connected to al-ulumi wal-mukashafat. What's the translation from it? It's types of power and effect. Are you with me, brothers? The first one is types of powers and effects. No, no, that's the second one. That's the second one. The second type is types of power and effects. The first type is extraordinary feats no, no, sorry. Uh, matters of power. I don't know what. And what is al-mukashafat? Many things Allah unveils for them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second one is types of power and effects. These are the two types of what? The awliya Allah gives them. Well, some of the awliya, like they mentioned. The awliya who have these characteristics, Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah has a book called Nubuwat. He mentions some, some of these issues there. The person has to be known to be coming to the Jum'ah and the Jama'at. Are you with me, brothers? Salah has to be seen on him. In the Jum'ah, he's the first, he's there first. The Jama'ah, is in the front row. Every righteous deed, he's the front row. Are you with me, brothers? A person like that, if we see him walking on water, we'll say, Hadi karam and karamat al We'll say that. When we see him, he's drinking khamar. He's lying, he's deceiving. And then we say, Awliya of Allah Azza wa Jal. Yeah, brothers. 
that's something that there's a kitab I was reading just a couple of days back it's called it's called Al-Qawlu Al-Munbi Fi Tarjamat Ibn Arabi what is it? Al-Qawlu Al-Qawlu Al-Munbi Fi Tarjamat Ibn Arabi is written by Al-Imam Al-Sakhawi Ibn Hajj's student it's a good book to read I advise you guys to read it that kitab is very good to read Al-Qawlu Al-Munbi Fi Tarjamati Ibn Arabi Not Al-Arabi The one who has Nakira Not the great Imam Malik uh, The great Malik scholar Abu Bakr Ibn Arabi No, not him I'm talking about Mumitu Deen Ibn Arabi eh? They call him Muhyiddin We call him Mumitu Mumitu Deen Ibn Arabi He refutes him Sakhawi brings nice points It's good to read Now ثم من طريق أهل السنة والجماعة اتباع آثار رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم باطنا وظاهرا واتباع سبيل السابقين الأولين من المهاجرين والأنصار واتباع وصية رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حيث قال عليكم لسنتي وسنة الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين من بعدي تمسكوا بها وعطوا عليها بالنوادد وإياكم ومحدثات الأمور فإن كل بدعة ضلالة ويعلمون أن أصدق الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم فيؤثرون كلام الله على غيره من كلام أصناف الناس ويقدمون هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم على هدي كل أحد ولهذا سموا أهل الكتاب والسنة وسموا أهل الجماعة لأن الجماعة هي الاجتماع وضدها الفرقة وإن كان لفظ الجماعة قد صار اسم لنفس القوم المجتمعين والإجماع هو الأصل الثالث الذي يعتمد في علف العلم والدين وهم يزنون بهذه الأصول الثلاثة جميع ما عليهم الناس من أقوال أو أعمال باطنة أو ظاهرة إما له تعلقم بالدين والإجماع الذي ينضبط هو ما كان عليه السلف الصالح إذ بعدهم كثر اختلاف وانتشرت الأمة The author رحمه الله now he goes into the مسألة known as مصدر التلقي عند أهل السنة Where does أهل السنة والجماعة take the عقيدة from? Where do we take our aqidah from? <coughs> Brothers, remember this. The groups today that you find in the world today, in the Muslim world today, learn this. Have diverted from the path of Salaf al-Salih. Kathirun minhum. Ahlul Sunnah are unique for the characteristics that they have in where they take their deen from. The thing that bonds them, the thing that restricts them is the Quran, the Sunnah, wa bima alayhi Salaf al-Salih. Kitab and the Sunnah and the Salaf al-Salih is what holds them. They don't bring an ayah except they tell you who understood it like that from the Salaf. They don't give you a hadith except that they tell you who, they, who understood it like that from the Salaf. But the other opposing groups today, they take their religion from either one, aqliyat, logic. And the Quran and the Sunnah is pushed to the side, number one. Number two, ad those who base their religion on spirituality I felt this was good It felt good And a lot of groups fall under that Fourth Those whose religion today is based on Siyasa, politics And that which is what determines What's right and what's wrong 
So they will say this is politically, I mean, this is what it should be because the world is politically like this. Fourth, huh? So I mentioned the first one were who? Those who've given logic. A lot of the secularists and the liberals, liberals fall under there. Are you with me, brothers? Their religion is what? Logic. They talk about women's rights. All of this based on what their forefathers came with. Afrahul Mu'tazila. This is what they are. They're just the Mu'tazila. Just in monkey suits. Nothing more, nothing, nothing less. The second group is who? Adhoku. Sufi and others Adhoku. Their religion is what? Adhok. This feels good. It felt good. Where did you get this hukum shar'i from? It's all spirituality. Not the sense which our religion talks about it. But from an angle of what? Dancing. You've seen that, right? And when you say to them, where did you get this dancing from? They said, Urkud birijilika hada. Didn't Allah say that in the Quran? Are you with me, brothers? So, there was another group. And the fourth one, the third group is Siyasa, politics. None of those three groups does the, does the Kitab and the Sunnah govern, I mean, and, this, and that which the Salaf doesn't govern them. Whenever they run, they run to. They will run to either. The aql, say logically it doesn't make sense. I I think you hear that a lot from them. I think who really cares what you think? I'll say that to you a lot. You'll say I think I think. We're at a time we don't need that. You see, we need the Quran, the Sunnah, and that which the Salaf said. Khalas. We need that. Number second two are those who dok dok and and the third one which are siyasa. If you look at many groups today, they will fall under one of those three. And the people that they hate the most are who? Those who say, Al-Quran was Sunnah, Bima alayhi salafu Then that person, what is he going to do? When the person speaks, he'll say to him, Allah said in his ayah, he'll say, okay, who understood it from the salaf? Khayrun nasi qarni thumma alladhina yalunahum, thumma alladhina yalunahum. So who from the early generation understood it like that? He doesn't know. He doesn't know Aqwal al-Salaf and the Mawaqif al-Salaf. He doesn't know. The minute he doesn't tell you that the two understood it from the Salaf like this, you know he, it's not a good sign. Are we all together? We, we need the understanding of those noble companions. So this is what the Shaykh is teaching you here. Brothers, Wallahi, this concept today, this book, if you didn't leave with anything except this, that Al-Fawzu Al-Falah, prosperity, Nobility, khayru hadhi al-ummah is connected to following these three, wallahi brothers, al-Qur'an, wa-sunnah, wa-bima alayhi salafu salih. Your religion is all on these three. You'll be safe from problems out there. Hold on to that. Anyone who tells you, Allah said this, who said it from the sahabas? Afsahu al-nas, the most eloquent of people. Atqan nas, the most righteous of people. There's no path to Jannah that except Abu Bakr would want to go to on that path. Would he want? Would he not? Umar and Uthman. So, 
All of the Sahabas who understood it like this, no one. Okay. Hey Tabi'in, none of them. Hey Tabi'u Tabi'in, none of them. Wallahi, that which they three, those three noble generations did not understand from this ayah. Who needs it? Who needs something that Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali and other Sahabas, all of them did not understand from this ayah. Then the generation after did not understand it from the ayah. And the third generation didn't understand it. And the messenger is saying the best of generation is who? Three what? Three, they are, they are, so these, the third generation are the best. The best in what? They are the best in three things. Their speech was the best speech. Their actions were the best action. And their belief was the best speech. They had the best belief. Are we all together? The Khairiyah, Ibn Al-Qutaymiyah mentions this a lot. The Khairiyah of the Qurun Al-Mufaddala is fi aqwalihim in their speeches. Fi a'malihim, af'alihim, their actions. And the i'tiqad in what they believed. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said something very powerful. He said, Man kana mustannan falyastanna bi man qadmat fa inna al-hayya la tu'manu alayhi al-fitna ulaika ashaba muhammadin abarra hadhi al-ummati quruba wa'amakuha ilman wa aqalluha takallufan ikhtarahum Allahu ta'ala li suhbati nabiyin fa'arafu lahum haqqahum wa attaba'u ala atarim fa innahum kanu ala huda mustaqim. Know these people's virtue and the status that they held on to and take them their what? Take them your source. And wallahi, when you, the more you live in this world and the more that you see the way that the world is today, the more you realize the simplicity of this has gone. And it's no longer held on to. You're talking to a person, and the minute you mention the ayah and the Quran and the aqwal salaf he becomes very nervous and angry. Wallahi, How many have we seen like that? Who don't want to hear the Quran, who doesn't want to hear the sunnah, who does not even want to hear the mawaqif al-salaf. But the minute you do tahlilat siyasiyah, political observations, and you say this is what happened 200 years ago politically, and he's like, wow, okay, that's, that's what should happen now. Are you with me, brothers? Or if I say, you know, rationally, how, if should we look at, like, look at this matter like this, they'll say, oh, I see where you're coming from. Like in what the Sahaba said, what the Tabi'in said, what the Tabi'u Tabi'in said, all of them, you can't see where they're coming from? You can't. And so when you live, inshallah ta'ala, The more you live in this world, you're going to see what? A lot of differences amongst the Muslims, right brothers? And disputes. What did the Messenger command us, alayhi salatu when that day comes? He said, alaykum bi sunnati. Please pay, pay attention to this. The Messenger told us that there's going to become, there's going to come what? Disunity. The Muslims are going to go separate ways. They're not going to be together anymore. He gave us a direct instruction. Straight away after he spoke about disunity and us going different directions, he gave us the solution. Why can't we see it? What did he say to us? The way that the disunity will be solved is by what he mentions after that. What did he say to us? He said, Alaykum bisunnati, hold on to my sunnah. And the sunnah of who? The rightly guided Khulafa Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali. Hold on to them. You see, disputes can happen. People are going to break up into groups. But the solution is what? The Quran and the Sunnah and the what? The Sahabas. And then look what he did. To make it even more clearer for the people. And he said, Stay away from the newly invented matters. Because that's what's going to cause the Muslims to what? 
Bid'ah will unite us even more. Wallahi will never unite us. It's what disunited us in the beginning and it's what's going to carry on disuniting us. And the only thing that's going to unite us is what? The Sunnah. You know why it's going to unite us? Because the way I see innovation is, 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 the, is, the, is the effort and the thinking of someone else. Somebody else thought and they brought this into the religion. And someone may see it to be right and another person may not see it to be right. And the people's observations are different brothers. Like in the Quran and the Sunnah, if we all submit to it, it will bring us together. It will unite us. Wherever we are in the world, when we meet each other, harmony, Allah will unite us subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's vital that we go back to that. And we understand that that's where we need to take our religion from. The Quran and the Sunnah and that which the pious predecessors were upon. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali and the other noble companions. Naam. ثم هم مع هذه الأصول يأمرون بالمعروف وينهون عن المنكر على ما توجبه الشريعة ويرون إقامة الحج والجهاد والجمع والأعياد مع الأمراء أبرارا كانوا أو فجارا ويحافظون على الجماعات ويديدون بالنصيحة للأمة ويعتقدون معنا قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم المؤمن للمؤمن كالبنيان يشد بعضه بعضا وشبك بين أصابعه صلى الله عليه وسلم وقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم نسل المؤمنين في توادهم وتراحمهم وطعاتفهم كمثل الجسد الواحد إذا اكتشى منه عضوا إذا اشتكى منه عضوا تدعى له عضوا عدو تداعى له سائر الجسد بالحمنى والسهر ويأمرون بالصبر عند البلاء والشكر عند الرخاء والرضا بالمر القضاء ويدعون إلى مكارم الأخلاق ومحاسن الأعمال ويعتقدون معنا قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم أكمل المؤمنين إيمانا أحسنهم خلقا ويندبون إلى أن تصل من قطعك وتعطي من حرمك وتعفو عمن ظلمك ويأمرون ببر الوالدين وصلة الأرحام وحسن الجوا وإحسان والإحسان إلى اليتامى والمساكين وابن السبيل والرفق بالمملوك وينهون عن الفخر والخيلة والبغي والاستطالة على الخلق بحق أو بغير حق ويأمرون بمعالي الأخلاق وينهون عن سفسافها وكل ما يقولونه ويفعلونه من هذا أو غيره فإنما هم فيه متبعون للكتاب والسنة وطريقتهم هي دين الإسلام الذي بعث الله بعث الله به محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم لكن لم أخبر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أن أمته ستفترق على ثلاث وسبعين فرقة كلها في النار إلا واحدة وهي الجماعة وفي حديث عنه عنه قال هم من كان على مثل عماء عليه اليوم وأصحابه صار المتمسكون بالإسلام المحض الخالص عن الشوبهم أهل السنة والجماعة وفيهم الصديقون والشهداء والصالحون ومنهم أعلام الهدى ومصابيح الدجا أولو المناقم المأثورة وفضائل المذكورة وفيهم الأبدال ومنهم الأئمة الذين أجمع المسلمون على هدايتهم ودرايتهم 
وهم الطائفة المنصورة التي قال فيهم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تزال طائفة من أمتي ظاهرين على الحق لا يضرهم من خالفهم ولا من خذلهم حتى تقوم الساعة فنسأل الله العظيم أن يجعلنا منهم وألا يزير قلوبنا بعد إذ هدانا ويهب لنا من لدنه رحمة إنه هو الوهاب والحمد لله رب العالمين وصلواته على خير the author concluded the kitab with akhlaq manners. Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, they are just not known for their creed, their pure aqidah. They are also known for their what? Their manners. And today, it is sad to see a person who's holding on to aqidah Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah and, and his akhlaq is very bad. And the aqid, uh, the akhlaq, and the manners that he has is despicable. That person truly hasn't understood the what? That which the Salaf of Salih were upon. The miza, the unique thing for Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is, يَعْرِفُونَ الْحَقَّ وَيَرْحَمُونَ الْخَلْقَ That's a unique characteristic Shaykh al-Islam said. That Ahlul Sunnah, they know the truth and that which is for them. They know the haq which will bring them closer to Allah. And they know the problem that will distance them from the hellfire. They know that. And they're, all, they're also merciful to the creation when they deal with them. It's a bad trait that you see a person become arrogant, stubborn, hard-headed to his Muslim brothers once he has learned aqidah to Ahl sunnah wal jamaah Are you with me, brothers? So Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and many other scholars they conclude their books with the concept of akhlaq and manners. From their akhlaq, and the scholars considered to be akhlaq, is al-amru bil-ma'ruf wa nahi al-munkar. And some people today have misunderstood that. And what do they think? They think one of the good ways of man, uh, good manners is if you see somebody do something wrong, just watch them. They think that's good manners. That's opposite to what the scholars stated. It's bad manners to watch a person who's doing munkar in front of you and you're silent about it because you think it's good manners to be silent about it. No, it's not. Like in what is good manners is the way that you address the matter and the way that you speak to the person and the way that you... That's what's important. The way that you tell the person that which they are doing is wrong and you humble yourself in the way that you tell them and you show kindness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he sent Musa to Fir'aun, what did he say? فَقُولَ لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيِّنًا فَقُولَ لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيِّنًا لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَرَ أَوْ يَخْشَى Pay attention here. Remember this all the time. The person that you're talking to most likely is a Muslim, so they are not worse than Fir'aun. And you are not better than Nabi Musa. You are not better than who? Nabi Musa. Musa was commanded to speak in this way. And the person that you're talking to hasn't even claimed that he's Allah. Fir'aun, what did he claim? He said, Ana rabbukumul a'la. So look at this way that you speak to the person and the way that you address the issue to them and the way that you bring the point to them. Al-amru bil-ma'ruf wa nahyu anil munkar is very important, brothers. Lu'ina al-ladhina kafaru min bani Israel ala lisani Dawood wa Isa bin Maryam dhalika bima asa wa kanu ya'tadun kanu la yatanahun an munkarin fa'aloo Allah said, labisa ma kanu yaf'aloon They would watch each other in evil. And they wouldn't prevent each other from it. What happened to them? 
they were cursed on the tongue of who? Anyone who doesn't stop an evil that's taking place in front of him and he doesn't address it, he doesn't speak about it, he will be cursed on the tongue of Nabi Dawood and Isa ibn Maryam. Try to stop it if you have the ability to do so. Also, Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, what did he mention from the akhlaq that they have is Yarawna iqamat al Shara'i al Zahira. They believe the outer symbols of Islam should be done with such as Hajj, Jihad, Jum'ah, and Jama'ah, and Eid. They believe you should do it behind the oppressive Muslim leader. The leader that drinks khamar, zina, he is a sinner, criminal, stealing the people's money. All the money is in his banks. He's not giving no one no money. He's still a, he's still a, he's still a Muslim leader. He's still a Muslim leader. When he calls the people for the Jum'ah and the Jama'ah, he's going to lead them. They pray behind them. Aqeedah Ahl Sunnah. That this outer symbols have to be done with him. They see that. Shaykh Sam Tim has mentioned this. And what the leaders at that time, what were they doing to Ibn Taymiyyah? And the Jum'ah and the Jama'at was coming. And it was praying behind them, Shaykh al-Islam, rahimahullah ta'ala. Are you with me, brothers? And Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, the leaders, the leaders of his time, what were they saying? The Qur'an is what? Did he make takfir of them? He didn't make takfir of them. And he used to make dua for them. Shaykh al-Islam mentions this. وَكَانَ يُصَلِّ وَرَاءَهُ He used to pray behind them. These are the people, the leader beat Imam Ahmed rahimahullah. And the leader, leader, look what he did to Imam Ahmed. The leader came down from his palace, came to Imam Ahmed's prison hall, and beat him with, with his own hand. You know what Imam Ahmed said? Because Imam Ahmed used to be chained like this all the time. And one day they opened the chains from him. And you know what Imam Ahmed said? He said, if the chains were only opened from me, wallahi I wouldn't run away, I would still obey him. I'll still stay in my prison hall. He can take me out of the chains. I will stay within my prison and I don't need no gates. I will still stay in the cell. I won't, move. I won't walk away from it. I'll obey him. Abu Ya'la mentions this in his Tabaqat al-Hanabila. Al-Imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala. What is it they're calling him to? They're calling him to a state of kufr. Statement of kufr. Which is what? The Quran is? The Quran is created is what they're calling him to. And he's saying, no, the Quran is the kalam of Allah. Are you with me, brothers? So this issue of the leaders, this is what Ahl Sunnah's belief is. Ahl Sunnah see the outer Islamic symbols they, pray, they, they do with the leader. What about if the leader is delaying the salah until the salah finishes and pray in your house and they still come and pray with him? If he prays Dhuhr at a time when Dhuhr is finishing, you go home and you pray Dhuhr at the right time. And then you come out and you pray with him. Some of the Sahabas, they used to pray behind some of the leaders who were drunk. I mentioned it yesterday. Oh, my Sharif al-Sunnah, Imam al-Muzani. And the leader would look at them and he would say to Abdullah ibn Umar, he said to him, and Anas ibn Malik, he said, shall I increase the prayer for you? He led Fajr for rak'ah. And he said, do you, want, do you guys want more? Because he was drunk. And they said to him, since the day you came, all you do is just add on to the prayer. All they didn't want to show is disunity. Because if Abdullah ibn Umar stays at home, and Anas ibn Malik stays at home, the Sahabas are, these are the noble companions. 
what are they going to do? The people are going to say, oh, this leader, is a, this, uh, they're going to go against him. And the problems that come from that, and the fitna that comes from it, the bloodshed that happens, the killing and the massacre that happens after people try to go against that leader, only Allah knows. And we've seen the, the reality of that happening in the world. That when the people uprose against individuals, the response was not easy. And innocent women and children went, millions, that if they were only patient with that leader, it would have been much better for them. Are you with me, brothers? It would have been much better for them to be with him. Does that make sense, brothers? Well, yeah, that's why Ahlul Sunnah warn against this issue. That's why they warn against because they know the aqibah. Walidarika Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, historically, and Ibn Taymiyyah is a person who read, he said, historically, no people have gone against a leader, uprose against the leader. This is a qa'idah mutarida. No individuals have gone against a leader and they uprose against that leader and they went against that country's government. Ibn Taymiyyah said, and they removed the evil that was there with a, with a something good. Historically, has it happened? Okay, the leader being in the power with the Khamaris drinking, oppressing the people, taking their money and whatnot is a problem, no doubt. But they've never brought what was better. Every time what happened, what came was always worse. What came was always worse. So that's why, and this is what they saw, the Sahabas, they saw the problem that came from it. When Ash'at ibn Qais fitness that fitna happened and the bloodshed that happened and Hajjaj ibn Yusuf, he killed 120,000 people, brothers. Not one or two people. From them he killed who? He killed Abdullah ibn Zubayr. He didn't just kill Abdullah ibn Zubayr. He hung Abdullah ibn Zubayr on the, Kaaba, on, the, on, the, on the pillars of the Kaaba. Dangled him from it. Hajjaj. Are you with me, brothers? When the, sahab, the ulama of that time were asked, like Hassan al-Basri, Abdullah ibn Anas ibn Malik, they respond, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and others, what did they say? Fasbiru, just be patient. Are you with me, brothers? What did they say? Just be patient with this man. Well, Idarik Hassan al-Basri took it a step further. What did he say? He said, he's only a reflection of your actions. Hajjaj is what your actions have put forward. That's all he is. Are you with me, brothers? So this concept is not something that was in, politically introduced later. Some people think. No, it wasn't. In Aqidah Ahl Sunnah. And you read that in many books of Aqidah, Shah Sunnah Imam Muzani. You read it in Aqidah al Salaf, Ashab al Hadith by Imam al Sabuni. Aqidah to Ashab al Aymat al Hadith by Abu Bakr Ismaili. You read it in Kitab Qawam al Sunnah by Abu Qasim al Taymi. Usul al Tikadi Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'a by Abu Qasim Hibatullah al Alakai. Shah Sunnah Imam al Muzani. Shah Sunnah Imam al Barbahari. You read it in Usul Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'a by Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Risala to Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qirawani, you read it in there. Any book of Aqidah that you don't find this in it, don't ever trust me. They'll always mention this statement. Kulluhum. It's mahalu ijma'ah. Are you with me, brothers? So they... But what does the leader deserve? وَيَدِينُونَ بِالنَّصِيحَةِ لَهُمْ And as soon as path is, they go to that leader and they advise him. And they say, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ اِتَّقِ اللَّهِ فِي النَّاسِ Fear Allah and have... Be conscious of what you're doing towards the people. Are you with me? That's what they do. And this responsibility, walillah alhamdulillah, has been taken off us a lot by the ulama. They're the ones who are doing that on our behalf. They are sitting with the leader and advising him. And telling him that Allah is going to account him for the day, the day of judgment. 
ويأمرون بالصبر عند البلاء والشكر عند الرخاء والرضا بمر القضاء أهل السنة are known to command the people to be patient and they command the people to show gratitude and they also command the people to be pleased with the bitterness of the qadr that's what they say they say be patient what? be what? be patient when the calamities hit you show gratitude to Allah Taala at the times of joy and be pleased with the what? with the qadr be pleased with it وَيَدْعُونَ إِلَىٰ مَكَارِمِ الْأَخْلَاقِ وَمَحَاسِنِ الْأَعْمَالِ Ahl sunnah they call the people to good manners, good etiquette. Such as what? The silatul arham. They tell you to keep the ties of kinship. They even call to what? Silatul man qata'aka. To hold the kingship and relationship with the one who cuts you. They say, one of your family members doesn't want to talk to you. Just call them and say, Salaamu alaykum. To keep ties. Give the one who said he, the one who refused to help you, help him for the sake of Allah. Forgive the one who oppressed you. And as soon as they call to this. They also call to the obedience of the parents. You're meant to be a person whose aqidah is good and you're disrespectful to your parents. وَحُسْنُ jiwar. They speak about the rights of the parents and the neighbors. وَالْإِحْسَانِ إِلَى الْيَتَامَ وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَابْنِ السَّبِيلِ Ahlul Sunnah call the people to show Kindness to the orphans and also show kindness to the masakeen, the poor, and the needy, and the travelers. And showing kindness towards the slaves. They warn against being arrogant. Transgression. Means placing yourself higher than the people. And arrogance over everybody. Belittling the people. Slandering the people's characteristics. This is another issue. Whether it's truthfully or not. Shaykh Al-Sam mentions. Why are you going to raise yourself higher than anyone? Humility is characteristic of Ahl Sunnah. They call the people to high aspirations, the highest of affairs. Ahl Sunnah are never pleased with the minimum. They are known to what? To do the best of affairs. Allah loves the best of affairs and He dislikes the things which are, which are low. He mentions Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah in their speech, in their action, and in their belief. They are following the Quran and the Sunnah. And they are upon the way that the Messenger came with. Ahlul Sunnah also believe that the Ummah are going to be disunited into 73 groups. And they know that the only group that is holding onto the straight path are who? Man kana ala mithli ma ana Anyone who is upon that which the Prophet was upon and his. And the Shaykh al-Islam bin Taymiyyah, he said, Ahlul Sunnah are the only people who until now, from the time of the Messenger till now, are pure and haven't been tainted by time. They're still upon that path. Because the Prophet said in the Hadith, لا تزال طائفة من أمتي There's always an Ummah. ظاهرين على الحق Pay attention to these brothers. And remember this. This Hadith tells us 
that there's going to be a people who are upon that which Nabi Muhammad was, and the Sahabas, and the Tabi'een, and the Tabi'u Tabi'een. Until the Day of Judgment, there are people like that. Are you with me, brothers? The people against them, the Hadith mentions are two types. La man khalafahum. The one who opposes them is not going to harm them. So there's a group that are fighting with these people. There are people who are showing them enmity. They're physically fighting with them. They're psychologically trying to fight with them. They're trying to belittle the ظاهرين على الحق. The Prophet is saying this. لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ مَنْ خَذَلَهُمْ وَلَا مَنْ خَالَفَهُمْ The one who opposed them. وَلَا مَنْ خَذَلَهُمْ And there are a group of people who lie to the, the people of the Sunnah. By doing what? By pretending to be from, one, from, to be from them. So they pretend to be with Ahlul Sunnah and they sit with them and they pick up on their mistakes and they go to the innovators and they say, this person and these people, this is their mistakes, this is their mistakes, this, 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 this. All they want to do is khidlan, put them down, belittle them. The Prophet told us, لا يضرهم من خذلهم ولا من خالفهم. The one who tries to deceive them and the one who opposes them, they are not going to harm them. حتى يأتيه until the day of judgment comes. So brothers, look at this. Which of those three are you choosing to be from? Are you, are you going to be from the ones who are upon the straight path that the Prophet and his companions were upon? Or are you going to be from the mukhalifina, those who are going to oppose them? Are you with me, brothers? Or are you going to be from the mukhadilin, those who are going to deceive them? So those are the only three. Mansurin. Ah. The Mukhalifin and the Mukhaddilin. In the hadith, those three groups are made. So, Ahl Sunnah are the only one that are Bahirin ala al haq They are apparent upon the truth. Another characteristic that's in that hadith, what did the hadith say? Zahirina? Zahirina? Ala al haq What does Zahirina ala al haq mean? They are apparent on the, on the truth. What does it mean they are apparent on the truth? Their aqidah is clear. When you meet them straight away, their aqidah is clear. They don't hide it. Their statements and the way they talk is clear. They don't have humor. Other groups, other than Ahlul Sunnah, you only get to know them when you go into the inner circle. There's an inner circle that you have to get into. Are you with me, brothers? Any ta'if, ta'if, they won't show you their real belief until you get closer and closer and closer. When you get in and you're already brainwashed, they open the real books for you. Are you with me, brothers? Every group I've seen, they have a hidden circle. You're not going to make it until they brainwash you and they train you and they brainwash you and brainwash you and brainwash you. And by the time you come to the circle, you're what? You're one of them. Al Sunnah, from the day you meet them, straight away, this is our article of faith, this is what we believe, this is the Adilla, this is this, 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 this. Wallahi, brothers, I'm speaking from experience of what I saw. And that da'wah I've been seen around Ahlul Sunnah, what you know with them is Dhuhur and Tamayyus. They're clear, crystal clear what they believe, what they're upon, what they propagate. You know it straight away. This is a unique characteristic of theirs. Zahirin, as the Prophet said. All the other groups, when you ask them their belief, they get angry. Like, why do you want to know my belief for? Why are you asking this question for? What, 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 what are you trying to do? What are you trying to get from this? Are you with me, brothers? And this is not a bad thing to ask a person their belief. It's your right to ask them. Shaykh al was asked. And Imam Muslim was asked. 
If you really believe in yourself, why are you hiding it for? Show it. Just write it. Say, I believe. Are you with me? Especially if the person says, I want to learn from you. If a person says, I want to take knowledge from you. They have the right to look into who they're taking their religion from. You should be more than happy to assist him and say, look, what do you want to know? What, what chapter of Aqeedah do you want me to explain for you? Are you with me, brothers? So this characteristics of Abduhur and to be apparent in your belief is a alama known by Ahl sunnah They have tamayus, they're clear, they'll tell you what they believe. Minutes of sitting with them, you just know what, they, what their belief is. Other groups, every day something new comes up. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. You see that. Please remember these points, inshaAllah ta'ala. It will help you a lot in your life. And then he says, rahimahullah ta'ala, Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah, they give victory to the religion. And they pass this over to each other, generation after generation. And he uses the word al-abdal. Does anyone here, know, has, has anyone here heard of that concept of the abdal? Huh? Have you ever heard of the word abdal? Huh? The Sufiya used that term, but the author used it in a correct context. Which are those who passed each other the haqq, they passed it onto each other. Are you with me? They passed the haqq onto each other, the truth. And then their successors came and they passed it on. And they passed it on like that. And look at Nabiullah Ibrahim. When he sat his children down, what did he say to them? Inna Allah astafa lakum deena fa wala tamutuna illa. Straight away when the person of the sunnah is dying, the last thing he calls his children to, and he says to them, is at-tawheed. Die upon at-tawheed. Hold on to the sunnah of the Prophet Some of the books when you read them, written by parents towards their children. There are many books that some Salaf wrote for their own children. And inshallah, if time allows us, one time we might go through them. The wasiyatul walidi li waladihi. The advice that some of the parents gave to their children and they wrote for them. You'll see what they always called to you. The people of the Sunnah always. Are you with me, brothers? And you'll see. You'll see all of that. And then the author concluded by making dua. And alhamdulillah, we finished the Kitab Aqeedatul Wasatiyah. And I ask Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, Rabbana Fillana Dunubana, Wa Isarafana Fi Amrina, Wa Tabbit Akadamana, Wa Surna Ala Al Qawmil Kafirin. اللهم اغفر لنا هزلنا وجدنا وخطأنا وعمدنا وكل ذلك عندنا يا رب العالمين اللهم لا تجعل الدنيا أكبر همنا ولا مبلغ علمنا ولا تسلط علينا بذنوبنا بل لا يخافك فينا ولا يرحمنا رب آت نفوسنا تخواها وزكيها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا بلدك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب سبحانك اللهم بحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أستغفرك وأتوب إليك